Hello, and welcome to the Commander Theory Podcast. I'm Nick Beatman, and I'm here with my friend, Zach Mack. Hello, theorists. So today we're going to be talking all about Unfinity, and for a number of reasons, uh, we're going to structure this set review a little bit differently than how we (laughs) normally do. Mm -hmm. Um, So for one thing, um, there are a bunch of cards in the set that are not actually Commander legal, including a bunch of legendary creatures. So the way we're going to handle this set review is we're going to start by talking about the legal commanders, the ones that you can play in the format. Then we'll go into the legal main deck cards, so that the non-legendary cards in the set that uh, are legal in the format and that we think could make a splash in commander. And then finally, at the very end of the episode, we're going to go into the non-legal commanders, the acorn-stamped commanders. Uh, so if you're not really interested in those like not officially legal cards or if you know your playgroup isn't very permissive then you can just skip that part of the episode but there's going to be a lot of good meaty stuff before then so stay tuned um, but before we jump in i want to briefly talk about our patreon if you head on over to patreon.com slash commander theory you can support the show and get sweet benefits including ad free episodes for as little as one dollar a month if you aren't ready to be a patron yet, you can help us out by rating or reviewing us wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, with that, let us jump in to the legal commanders. And we're going to start with one that shows off uh, one of the big new mechanics from the set. This is Myra the Magnificent. Uh, so Myra the Magnificent is two blue-red for a 2-4 legendary creature human performer. Whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell from your hand, open an attraction. We'll get into what that means in just a second. Uh, She also has X tap exile target instant or sorcery card with mana value X from your graveyard and choose an attraction you control that doesn't have a midway counter on it. Put a midway counter on it. When you visit that attraction, copy the exiled card. You may cast the copy without paying its mana cost. So, Let's talk attractions. So attractions are a little bit like contraptions in that they come in a second deck and they have their own graveyard. Um, But they are artifacts uh, and attraction is just a subtype. So you have at the beginning of the game, you must have um, at least 10 singleton attractions in your attraction deck. You can have more than that. But you can't have more than one of any individual attraction. Uh, and when you when a card tells you to open an attraction, you flip the top card of your attraction deck onto the battlefield. And at the beginning of your pre-combat main phase, you roll a d6. And each attraction will tell you what happens if you hit a certain number on that d6. So for example, uh, I'll, I'll pick a simple one. A roller coaster... Uh, has triggers off of twos and sixes and it says visit creatures you control get plus two plus oh until end of turn so when you hit a two or a six on that d6 you get to visit the attraction and you get the effect that happens when you visit it Uh, there are also some attractions with prizes uh, which basically means uh, the visit is some sort of mini game and if you do well in the mini game then you get some sort of reward that's your prize but there's actually only one uh, attraction with yeah. prizes that is legal in Commander that doesn't have the acorn stamp. Uh, so that that part might not be super relevant. Let's talk a little bit about 
now, now that we know the rules of attractions, let's talk a bit about Myra and sort of how we would build around her. Um, so it's, uh, I think that there's a lot of low quality attractions uh, in terms of just like, they just don't do anything particularly useful or um, they don't trigger very often or, or for whatever reason, there's a bunch that just aren't great. Like one of them is like visit scry one. It's just not a big effect. And given that these things only happen once per turn, you, you would prefer that they be a little bit more impactful. So I'm thinking like you probably just want to go for the bare minimum deck size for your attraction decks and just pick the, the absolute best ones. Uh, I'm, I'm going to briefly read off some of the ones that I think are the strongest. Uh, so although it, it depends a lot on how well you roll um yeah. how i was, was going to say because they're pretty quick to read off because there's no like activations necessarily or anything like that yeah, or so mana cost are we just, just yeah. going to go through them real quick yeah i'll just go i'm going to go through 10 of them really quick you can skip ahead a, a couple minutes if you aren't interested in this part i think one of the best ones is storybook ride it's an attraction uh it triggers off 2 5 and 6 and when you visit it, you exile the top X cards of your library, where X is the number of attractions you visited this turn, including this one. Uh, you may play those cards this turn at the beginning of the next end step. If any of those cards remain exiled, put them at the bottom of your library in any order. So good impulse draw, card advantage engine, um, relatively easy to trigger. And if you've got a lot of attractions in play, like you are likely to with a, a Myra deck, um, it just becomes more and more likely to get you multiple cards worth of value. Number two-ish um, on my list is Tunnel of Love. So Tunnel of Love is Artifact Attraction. It triggers off of two and six. And Visit. Choose an opponent. They choose a creature, a creature they control. Then you choose a creature you control. You may exile the chosen creatures. If you do, return them to the battlefield under their owner's control at the beginning of the next end step. Otherwise, the chosen creatures fight each other. So it's can be a blink engine, uh, can be a way to just kill your opponent's creatures if all yours, or if you have something that's bigger than all of theirs, um, but offers some potential card advantage over the long term. Uh, another neat one is Haunted House. Uh, so Haunted House is an artifact attraction, of course, uh, and it triggers off of three and six, and when you visit it, you return target creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield, it gains haste, Exile it at the beginning of the next end step. Uh, so a little bit of recursion, reanimation. If you have sack outlets, of course, you can keep getting the same thing back. Um, another card worth mentioning is Swinging Ship. So Swinging Ship is it, an attraction, triggers off of two and six. When you visit it, after the first combat phase this turn, there's an additional combat phase. At the beginning of that combat, untap all creatures that attack this turn. Uh, next is Ferris Wheel. Uh, Ferris Wheel is a pretty neat one because it actually has a way to lock out opponents' commanders for the rest of the game, provided you just kind of choose not to open any more attractions. Yeah. Let me read it off. Um, so Ferris Wheel is an attraction that triggers off of 4, 5, and 6, and it has Visit. Choose target creature that hasn't been phased out with Ferris Wheel. That creature phases out until you roll a three or less while rolling to visit your attractions. So I believe the way the rules work for attractions is if you don't have any attractions, then you don't roll the dice. So you can like exile somebody's commander with a Ferris wheel 
and then blow up all your attractions or, or sacrifice all your attractions. And then it's just there that opposing commander is just trapped there forever with no way to get back. Um, yeah, stuck in the wreckage of the Ferris wheel. <laughs> yeah, so per, perhaps a little bit mean, but um, it's very... I mean, it's it's certainly powerful and something to keep in mind when you're building this deck. Uh, all right, next I've got Hall of Mirrors. Uh, Hall of Mirrors is an artifact attraction. Triggers off of two and six. Visit two-star creature you control. Each other creature you control becomes a copy of that creature until end of turn, except it isn't legendary if the chosen creature is legendary. So if you have a lot of tokens, um, if you have a lot of weenies and you want to buff them all up pretty significantly, this is a good way to do that. Uh, next is information booth. This is a very, very simple one. Uh, information booth is just triggers off two and six and it has visit draw card. Uh, next we have roller coaster. Uh, I mentioned this one earlier. This is one that triggers off two and six uh, creatures you control get plus two plus O until end of turn. I should mention that a lot of these have variant versions. So yeah, I, I was going to talk about this at the end. So okay. if, if that's okay, because the, all right, I I've guess got, we can talk about it now, but well, well honestly, there's all, like those are the eight best ones that and number nine and ten are kind of nothings. Um, okay. <laughs> so let's talk a bit about that. You you may have noticed I I said like two and six for almost all of these. That's because a lot of the common and uncommon ones have multiple versions that trigger off of different numbers. So there's a little bit of like deck building strategy when it comes down to do you want to go for a deck where there's the biggest spread so that you always uh, hit something, yeah. Exactly, so that you always hit something, or do you want to just have some big turns where you visit a whole bunch of attractions at once? I, yeah, you hit your four, and then everything goes off. Yeah, uh, so I think I would probably want to go for the spread. It's just worth looking at the different versions of the cards and figuring out how you want to construct your deck um, such that you get the, the maximum and it is worth noting that uh, every single attraction triggers off of six. So the real choice you're making is like whether you're doing um, two, three, four, or five. Yeah, and so some of them, like the the pretty unexciting attractions, will have like upwards of six versions sometimes, and the uh, like low end of that is like Tunnel of Love has two, or like some of the rare ones only have two, and then. Ferris wheel there is only the one version of it because they said that the numbers didn't work any other way mm-hmm. so there wasn't really like a good way ferris wheel triggering on four five six is like specifically just because that was the best way to do it so um that's basically it just take a little bit of time to look at whatever it is that you want to put in your deck and kind of guess if i want the haunted house that triggers on three or four like what's working best for me what am i trying to do so um think that that's it and that pretty much covers the attractions um okay Okay. now that we've laid (laughs) a whole lot of groundwork we can actually talk about the myra deck um so uh there's a a bit of play in like figuring out do you want to go for just having the maximum number of attractions on the battlefield at once and trying to uh, play a bunch of things that scale off of having a ton of artifacts because you know if you have tons of attractions out then like you're you can have an urza that taps for a ton of mana 
Um, you can have a shimmer dragon that draws you a bunch of cards or like you can have a quicksmith genius out. And every time you um, you open an attraction, you'll trigger that and you get to rummage. So that is pretty appealing. Um, there's also just a version that like tries to go for, you know, high density of or like high quality of individual attractions. And then that one kind of caps out at 10. But uh it's a really interesting deck. I think uh would you mostly go for like actual useful utility spells like a bunch of counter spells and a removal or would you focus on just like trying to get as many attractions out as soon as possible and just run like incredibly cheap cantrips? Well, that's a good question. I mean, yeah, I was thinking I would was going to run more utility spells like if I was going to make Myra um Myra is the kind of card that like at some point in my life I will probably want to look at and be like oh that seems really fun but just do not have the time to do the research on (laughs) right now Mm -hmm. and like make these decisions so my initial inclination was to go for like utility spells spells that like are good kind of at any point in the game um, and then just go from go from there but I think the cantrips is pretty fun because then they all like cost one or two and you're pretty much good to go. <laughs> like, yeah, if you get like one turn with Myra out and all your cantrips just cost one or something, you can open five attractions like the turn after you cast her. Seems kind of sweet. But yeah. but again, like, you know, you're right. Those those spells are not very high impact and eventually you're just going to end up with a hand, you know, you play out all your cantrips and then you just have a bunch of lands in hand and you got to yeah. rely on your attractions getting you there. Yeah, I mean, um, it, it feels like a a weird, like, you would, because you're casting the spells, it feels like you would be playing, like, a funny, all the tower ends or something like that, you know? So you got, like, these weird artifact synergies, and then you got these cantrips and or other spells, and then you have things that trigger when you play those other spells. So it, it it's a weird deck. It probably plays really, like, fun and interestingly, because it, you have to, like, assemble this like menagerie of just stuff that is firing off mm-hmm. but uh i think for that same reason though it's not like the most powerful which is kind of going to be the theme of this episode like none of these commanders were like jacked <laughs> you know like <laughs> they really didn't uh push any of these commanders too hard and i think myra being like the the standout commander uh, kind of shows that off like this is going to do something kind of crazy but like it's not going to blow up any tables you know mm-hmm. yeah uh but still a, a neat commander neat design space mm-hmm. and yeah. i'm glad that they have a commander that supports like the main set mechanic so that if you really love attractions there is a good option for you mm-hmm. yeah no I, I also very much like that just remember that there's only one non-acorn game attractions so. oh yeah no well, i'm gonna harp on that once we get to that yeah so uh, oops uh he uh, oh so uh, can i read off this next commander yes go for it yeah so this one we're gonna go over very quickly this is dk finder of the lost uh they are a one four zombie employee for one blue black so three mana value they have when DK Finder of the Lost enters the battlefield, open an attraction. Whenever you roll two, each opponent loses one life and you gain one life. Whenever you roll four, 
You may tap or untap target artifact or creature. Whenever you roll six, return target creature card from your graveyard to your hand. Um, so this is uncommon attraction commander, like triggers when you roll dice. Uh, that's it. Yeah, I'm. I'll I'll be saying this like multiple times throughout the episode, but this is not a design for commander. Um, you know, Mark Rosewater not only did the vision, the exploratory design and the vision design, but also did the set design for the set. And Mark Rosewater does not enjoy commander. He really doesn't like multiplayer formats. And I think that kind of shows in the like legendary creature designs in the set. There's a lot of them that just don't work well for commander. This is honestly like one of the, <laughs> sadly, this is one of the better ones, but you'll, yeah, we'll, gonna we're going to talk about a lot today that are just, very very underwhelming like don't do anything in commander um and i think this is like on the lower end of power um you know it only gives you one attraction you can run like blink spells to try to get more off of it but it's it's certainly a lot more effort to to get a whole bunch of attractions out with dk compared to myra and there's also just fewer um artifact synergies in this color identity compared to an is it one the there are a couple ways you can like get additional hits off of it rather than just relying off of your um like rolling to visit your attractions like you can run some of the the d20 rolling cards or even some of the other um you know the d4 rolling d6 rolling uh from some of the Baldur's gate sets so or the commander legends not Commander Legends. <laughs> Forgotten <laughs> Realms. You know what I'm talking Realm about. Sets, yeah. Um, the D&D sets. Uh, so there's a couple ways you can game that a little bit. Um, but most of these outcomes are just not highly powerful. Um, like each opponent losing one life and you gaining one life. You know, it's great when that happens a million times because, you know, you have a blood artist and you wrath the board. But if you're just rolling to visit like the one attraction that DK opened, um, you know, so it maybe happens one out of every three turns. It's it's not a way to win a game of Commander. Um, like the the tapping or untapping tar- artifact creature, if it's happening very very infrequently, uh, also not compelling at all. Um, the six is nice, but it's it's not going to happen very often. So I, I don't know. I don't. Um, I'm not in enthralled by this commander i the the one thing i would say about this commander is that like if you are in this color identity and you want to play with attractions it makes it really easy like flickering this like reanimating this sacking it you know like it it just does it you're like boom three mana here's an attraction uh boom like flickered it here's an attraction so that's kind of all it has going for it. The rest of the text is pretty much trinket. <laughs> mm-hmm. So that's kind of the only reason I care about this card. But um, I, with that said, we can move on to this next one. That's actually very, very cool. <laughs> You're cool yeah, with that. This one is tight. Uh, yeah, go ahead and read this off for us. Sure. So this is Magar of the Magic Strings. Uh, and I think it's Magar, right? That's yeah, We'll say Magar. Yeah. Okay. I know every single... Spoiler episode, I have to ask for <laughs> pronunciation. Um, so this is a 3-3 three, three Minotaur performer for 3 mana, 1 black-red. Uh, they have 1 black-red 
Uh, well, this is an activated ability. They just have one activated ability that is very large. So here I go. One black red. Note the name of target instant or sorcery card in your graveyard and put it onto the battlefield face down. It is a 3-3 creature with whenever this creature deals combat damage to a player, you may create a copy of the card with the noted name. You may cast the copy without paying its mana cost. And if this creature would leave the battlefield, exile it instead of putting it anywhere else. So uh, you uh, you sign in blood. Then Magar's here. He pays three, and you got a three-three sign in blood token. Mm-hmm. And every time you hit somebody, um, you get to you, sign in blood. You get to sign in blood. Yeah. So this is pretty cool. I'm the the first thing I want to say is that I'm very very glad that this is in red black. I think this is like a funny, cool place to put this because if it was in blue, it would have been like, yeah, too good. (laughs) I totally agree on that. Um, very smart choices on the designers parts. That said, there are some unfun things you can do with it. Absolutely. Uh, So, you know, you're in a red color identity. You have access to a lot of rummaging effects. So there's thing, there's like really expensive spells that you can just discard early in the game to like a thrill of possibility or something. Um, and then just animate it early and then start doing really heinous stuff. So one of the best things is like worst fears. Uh, worst fears is seven and a black for a sorcery. Uh, you control target opponent during their next turn, exile worst fears. Uh, but yeah, if you get a walking, talking worst fears, it's, you can just like mind slaver one opponent uh, every turn. And, and once you do it once, it's of course like pretty easy to, keep them from having blockers and so you can just keep messing with them over and over. Uh, That seems very strong. Uh, Other things like, you know, there's a whole lot of kill spells in this color identity. Um, Just getting to copy a terminate every single turn is pretty good or or some of the many other kill spells. Um, So that seems pretty solid. Uh, There's also just like, you know, powerful discard spells to just wreck your opponent's hands uh, a, a lot to do not all of it incredibly fun it seems like a control deck with a perhaps a combo finish mm, yeah I, I think you can take this like a few ways i think the strongest way is the way you're saying where you like have these kill spells to make sure your three threes can get in there and then you like have some pretty heinous worst fears or whatever but i think there's also like extra combat spells and stuff like that that you can throw in here so that uh you as you build up your three three army like you get these like compounding turns so that i think if you if you don't want to be super mean you can do it with magar and if you do want to be super mean you can do it and i think that's kind of like that's a good thing in general like uh there's no super obvious combo with him necessarily that will get you hated out of the table other than like worst fears basically that I could see that I could think of. I, I will. One thing I do want to say regarding the uh, additional combat. Um, it, don't, it, it has to be specifically the one, right? There's only one that works. Uh, I think there are two that work. Um, okay. So I think savage beating works world at war works, but there's a couple of these effects that say after this main phase, there's additional combat phase. Um, for those ones, if you cast it during your combat phase, 
then they don't actually work. They only work if they are being cast during a main phase. Kind of weird. Um, but just, yeah, keep in mind that like Relentless Assault or Seize the Day aren't going to work if you are casting them in combat off of this Magar trigger. Yes, very important. Um, so, oops. <laughs> I think it's like World at War. That was the the one that came to mind because it casts on your uh, upkeep. Yeah. So they so, made sure that it works. Yeah, that one's a little tricky. It won't go infinite, though, because it's after the first post-combat main phase. Like, you will get an oh. extra <laughs> combat phase every turn, but um, a n- Savage Beating does fully does do completely yeah. work so yeah i guess that there's another option for the combo finish is just yeah, like okay. entomb a savage beating there you go well anyway my gar's cool <laughs> <laughs> i do really like this card this is a really cool design and i like how they're all like this has got to be silver border right and then they were like no you can just do that <laughs> and uh here we go now he's now he doesn't have the little acorn stamp so yes thank you to just dunks for allowing this into uh black border magic <laughs> absolutely um so you want to get in i i think a few of these are going to be pretty, oh yeah we're going to go through a stream of very quick to talk about ones so can i read off this next one yeah there's like seven here that are we're going to have just maybe a couple sentences. So please go ahead. Yeah. And, and I do want to preface before we really get into them that like, if any of these like appeal to you that I'm, we're not saying like, don't build it, you know, like we're just saying that the, they did not build these with commander in mind. So if you were trying to build this and like lean into the theme specifically, like you might have a harder time like mm-hmm. keeping up with people. So not to say that you can't do something cool. There's not cool space to be mined if you're like are really gonna dig into these, but um really not doing anything crazy for us, you know? Um or the or the format as a whole. So this first one is gonna be Monoxa Midway Manager. Uh she is a three three vampire employee with uh for four mana, so two black red. Uh, she has whenever you roll a three or higher, Monoxa Midway Manager gains first strike until end of turn. If the roll was four or higher, it gains menace until end of turn. If the roll was five or higher, it gains lifelink until end of turn. And then it has six, roll a six-sided die. Um, so you put, with most of these like r- dice rolling ones, especially the red ones, you put in Barbarian class and you you just, that's that's the main tech. <laughs> you know, you, you put in... Um, uh, I don't know. Yeah, any of the dice rolling cards, which all mostly happen to be in red, and you have fun, and you know that's if this is screaming at you, then go for it. But it's not it's not like a new archetype. Not doing anything crazy, you know. Yeah, I mean, there are certainly like ways to get this very easily. Um, you know, there's the mana rock that rolls a d twenty. Uh, like all the D20 cards are extremely likely to get the full suite of abilities for mm-hmm. Monoxa. Uh, but that being said, like, you know, who cares? Who cares? <laughs> I don't, I really, it's a three, three with first strike menace and lifelink. It could have just been printed as that, like no dice rolling required and still would not be good enough for commander. This is, these are a bunch of nothing abilities. Um, <laughs> like, yeah, I, I, this does not seem like a design for commander. I don't really know why they bother to make it legendary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. So uh, can I read off this next one then? Yes. 
This is the Space Family Goblinson, uh, which is a great name. Uh, they are a 1-1 goblin guest for 4 mana, 2 red-green. Uh, can you guess what, what they do in an unset in red-green? The Space Family <laughs> Goblinson has trample as long as you've rolled 3 or more dice this turn. And whenever you roll a die, put a plus 1, plus 1 counter on the Space Family Goblinson. Um, so again, this is you roll as many dice as possible. This gets big. You hit them, and sometimes it has trample. Uh, yeah, that's that's it. That's yeah, this is uh, another not very compelling design. Like a lot of the time, it's going to be a vanilla creature, and very occasionally it will also have trample. Um, and that's not what I want in my command zone. And also, it's just like you know, it sucks a whole lot that every time it dies you're back to square one and have to start with a four cost one one or a six cost one one or an eight cost one one yeah <laughs> incredibly disappointing commander um mm-hmm. I, i'm happy to move on yeah absolutely do, do you want to read off this next one sure uh this is tusk and whiskers it is three green white for a four four legendary creature elephant mouse performer whenever an ability st- whenever you put an ability sticker on a creature Put a plus and plus one counter on that creature. And then two green white tap. You get a sticker. Or sorry, you get a ticket. Uh, then you may put a sticker on a non-land permanent you own. Okay, this is a good time to bring up stickers and tickets and how all that works. Um, so uh, at the beginning of the game or sort of during the deck construction process, um, you have to choose at least 10 unique sticker cards. And these are cards that have a variety of stickers on them. They'll be names, they'll be uh, art pieces, uh, they'll be abilities, um, and there will be power and toughness boxes. So the names and um, the names and art things are always free. There's no problem with them. Uh, but the abilities and the power and toughness boxes require stickers so stickers are a resource given to you by numerous cards including in this case your commander tuscan whiskers um and so you can accrue stickers over time and then spend them as a resource it's a little bit like energy in that respect so tuscan whiskers now that we sort of know what the heck these tickets are and what ability stickers are um how do you feel about this card? What do you think about um, this commander? Yeah, I love that there are two side deck mechanics in this. <laughs> I have two extra decks now. Um, this is not the best. So the, you kind of went over it. Ability stickers have a ticket cost. So you're actually not putting that many abilities on to like ability stickers onto creatures that often. So this is kind of like a bonus. But it's kind of like um, a pretty, it's a pretty minor bonus because a lot of putting an ability sticker on something is like, that was the prize. So like getting a plus one, plus one counter really isn't going to change the, the calculus of like what's happening too much. Like it's obviously fine for limited, but it's like nothing you can just, if you want to put a plus one, plus one counter on your creatures in a green, white deck, like there are like dozens of better ways to do it yeah Uh, i will also mention that the minimum cost for an ability on one of these uh 
for an ability sticker on one of these sticker cards is two. So activating your commander a single time is not enough to get you an ability sticker uh, for one of your guys. You're, you're going to need to have other ticket generating effects um, or maybe like a way to copy his activated ability or something. Yeah. Uh, oh, and one minor detail that I forgot to mention earlier. Like I mentioned uh, that your sticker deck is at least 10 singleton cards. Um, but you randomly choose three at the beginning of the game. And those are the only ones you have access to during that game. So you can't like guarantee you're always going to get the infect sticker or something. They tried to make it incredibly casual. Like Mm -hmm. they're really like, yeah, those stickers are legal in eternal. And then they're like, but they're bad. Yeah. But you can't plan on it. And you're like, why? Then why at all? Yeah. They, I mean, I think that's also true of attractions. Like, you know, they happen only once a turn and only sometimes if you roll well, like clearly this, both of these are not, they did everything they could to try to prevent them from being relevant in constructed. Mm-hmm. Well, do you want to read off this next commander? <laughs> sure. Speaking of cards that aren't relevant in constructed. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is Spinneret Arachnobat. It is three black green for a two, four legendary creature spider performer. It has reach. When Spinneret enters the battlefield, open an attraction. And as long as you control three or more attractions, Spinneret gets plus two plus O and has menace. Um, Well, opening an attraction uh, is fine. I mean, this deck uh, or this color identity doesn't have access to a ton of like blink effects, although you do have access to things like, um, you know, Maliki or Rebirth or whatever. So you could like sacrifice your commander, bring it back to get more attractions. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you go, if you like jump through the hoop of getting a bunch of attractions, uh, your reward is like really piddly. Like I don't care about a 4 4 reach menace in commander, especially not for five mana. Um, <laughs> so wait, is that a bad rate? <laughs> i know just because it's worse than uh you know often like common limited fodder doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad rate you can really say <laughs> i know yeah there's um two creatures off the top of my head that are just four four menaces for five in like at common mm-hmm. and i think they're red with so, upside you know, too yeah with upside um in like some of the last limited sets so yeah this is not not the most exciting thing you've ever seen you know mm-hmm. yeah oh so, well I, I think we can move on to the next uh black green commander also has some problems with this one uh this is the most dangerous gamer it is two black green for a two two legendary creature human gamer guest with death touch whenever the most dangerous gamer enters the battlefield or attacks open an attraction whenever you open an attraction put a plus one plus one counter on the most dangerous gamer and whenever you claim the prize of an attraction, destroy target permanent. So this actually, you know, compared to a lot of the ones we've been reading off today, this doesn't seem so bad. You do get an attraction every single turn without a whole lot of work, and it gets bigger over time. Death Touch is, is certainly useful. You can build around that with things like Thornbite Staff or Viridian Longbow or whatever. Uh, and hey, it's got destroy target permanent on there. Uh, you know, it it seems pretty attractive but what's the what's the fine print on this card what's the thing yeah, that they're which, not telling us 
nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Remember when I said there's only one non-acorn game (laughs) (laughs) in all of the attractions? So this guy, if you're playing like strictly non-acorn, non-silver border cards, you have one out of ten cards in your deck that actually like will trigger that last line of text, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which is not good. And you don't know when you're going to hit it. So you may have to attack and or cast your commander ten times before you get to the one thing that does what he's trying to do. And so, then of course it's you know that card is not going to trigger every single turn. Uh and you know, you might also just like not get the thing. So the the one uh let me read this off. The one attraction that has a prize that isn't acorn is pick a beeble. Uh it has six versions so it it basically it triggers on three different numbers so half the time you can you can visit it uh the visit is roll a six-sided die put a number of luck counters on pick a beeble equal to the result and create a treasure token then if there are six or more luck counters on pick a beeble claim the prize so unless you roll a six uh, on that visit it's going to take multiple visits and of course it's going to take multiple turns just to visit this or or it's likely will because it doesn't uh it won't trigger off every single number you roll so uh and then the prize is uh create two treasure tokens then sacrifice pick a beeble and open an attraction so this is so bad oh my god so half the time you can roll to visit it uh only one in three of those so one sixth of the time you'll get a six um or sorry half the time you can roll to visit it then you do the visit, you roll another six-sided die. If you get a six, then you go straight to the prize. If you don't get a six, you're going to have to visit it one more time to get enough luck counters, at least one more time to get enough luck counters. Uh, and then if you finally do get to the prize, you have to sacrifice like a beetle, beetle, so it goes to your junkyard, which means you it's can't basi- ever get it again. Yeah, it's basically uninteractable at that point. Yeah, so you have a one in ten chance of getting pick a beetle, uh, then you have a 50% chance of visiting it. And then you've got maybe like a one in six chance of immediately getting the prize. And then you never, ever get that prize again. Yeah. And, and to remind everybody the the prize is three treasure tokens. Well, also, so, well, the prize for your commander is destroy target permanent, but oh yeah, I guess yeah. that's true. But yeah, for, for, so yeah, the pick a beeble is not very impressive and then you blow up a permanent. Yeah. Yeah. Once per game. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> uh so I I don't know why they put that line of text on there or why they like made this black border, why they made make this commander legal if all the cards that actually work with it are not. Mm-hmm. Like no, they, it, it's pretty perplexing, honestly. Yeah, like they made there are cards that you know are they made acorn with like much less justification uh so i don't know why they didn't just make this acorn so that you know you could feel like it was possible to do your thing yeah i i feel like if yeah it should have just been one of the acorn ones and they should have goofed mm-hmm. a little harder on it you know and then like ungoofed something else yeah because we as when we get into the acorn commanders at the end of this episode, you will notice one or two. That's like, this does not make any sense as yeah. <laughs> Oops. Uh, okay. I think we can move on to the next commander legal card. 
Mm-hmm. Do you want Do you want to read this one, or do you want me to read it? I'm good. I want to make you read this name. Oh, absolutely! I was very excited to actually. So this is Ambassador Blorpity Blorp Boop. Uh, this is a three three alien advisor guest uh, for five mana, three green blue, and uh, here we go. When Ambassador Blorpity Blorp Bloop, sorry, Blorpity Blorp Boop. Ah oh, man. I really thought I had it in one. I'm so upset. <laughs> um, enters the battlefield. You get three tickets, and then you put a sticker on a non-land permanent you own. At the beginning of each combat, you may have Ambassador Blorpity Blorp Boop. Base power and toughness become equal to the total power and toughness of all stickers on permanents you control. So, um, yeah, how many uh, how many stickers are you going to be putting on <laughs> permanents you control? Um, Oh, actually, you know what I should do? I'm gonna look this up. Well, I'm I'm looking at the stickers right now. So, not every sticker. I'm looking at like all the power and toughness stickers. Not all of them are super cheap. Like, uh, on each sticker card, there is at least one power and toughness sticker that costs like two or three tickets. But those tend to be the smaller ones. So, like, you know, for a two. For two tickets, you can get like a 3-2 power and toughness box or a 4-1 power and toughness box. Um, but the bigger ones tend to be more expensive, like three, four, five tickets. Mm-hmm. Uh, so your commander is not going to be able to get you a whole lot of power and toughness just off of that ETB ability. You're going to have to blink him a lot or clone him or just run other effects that get you a bunch of tickets. And And I guess you also need effects that allow you to put stickers on things. And and again, like, you know, if you go through all these hoops of getting a whole bunch of tickets and a whole bunch of power and toughness box on all your creatures, uh, the reward is my five mana commander is bigger. He is a larger yeah. vanilla creature, um, which is mm, not incredibly compelling to me. I, I, I don't really love this design. Uh, yeah, so I, I was looking up while you were saying that. So uh, not counting attractions, which there are multiple types of or multiple versions of, um, there are only 22 cards in the set in Simic that deal with stickers. And some of them we are going to talk about. Some of them are very, very obviously like limited fodder. Uh, so like Crooked Amphibonaut is a 4-3 for 5 that has flying if you have a sticker on something probably not gonna run that <laughs> commander <laughs> um but then there's just generic stuff like prize wall which is a zero four defender that you can pay blue and tap it to get us st- uh, a ticket and then you can pay five and tap it to put a sticker on something um and that's that's it you know like <laughs> that's not really a rate that i want for something like this because if i i really am trying to lean into this and like make my commander big and put just as many stickers as i can on everything well first off like so there's 30 stickers possible uh across your three cards that you randomly picked at the start of the game um and a lot of them require tickets to do it so there is oh that's a great point there's actually a cap on how big this can possibly be yeah so if you only have access to three stickers uh, that means six total power and toughness boxes. Um, 
So there is a maximum size that your commander can possibly be. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it might not, and depending on like how the randomness works out, it might not be that great. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you could, who knows how your commander is going to fare that day. Um, I mean, again, that said, like some of them are pretty like reasonable. I mean, there is there's a, like a, there's, two, there's a 10, 10 for six. Like there's a 10, 10 for six. Um, there's, uh, like a two, two that, uh, makes it hard to block things and gives you a bunch of tickets when it enters there there's like you could play some cards that aren't completely embarrassing one of one of i think we're gonna talk about let me double check that that is true we are not <laughs> talk about it. so i'll talk about it right here um there's a card that like is not the worst it's called done for the day uh and it triggers with changelings i'm pretty sure right um and it's an enchantment, and it says at the beginning of, the end of your end step, if you control an employee, a performer, or a robot, you get a ticket or create a treasure. And if you control all three, you may put a sticker on a non-land permanent you own. So that's like one of the better ones of I this. Think, I think it might be worded in such a way that you need... Multi- you do need like all three? One of each, yeah, mm. rather than just one that ticks all three boxes. Oh, uh, okay. I think. Yeah. yeah, so that's like one of the more playable ticket slash sticker cards because all ticket cards are sticker cards too basically so um well i'm done talking about this guy (laughs) how are you feeling i i'm ready to move on to the next one all right Uh, so this next card is roxy publicist to the stars uh she is two blue red for a two or for a star for legendary creature human employee with flying when roxy's uh, when Roxy enters the battlefield, distribute up to two art stickers among one or two non-land permanents you own, and Roxy's power is equal to the number of permanents you control with an art sticker, plus the number of cards in your graveyard with an art sticker. So, uh, she really wants you to put art stickers on things, and uh, the reward for doing so is you get a slightly larger French vanilla flyer. Again, I, this is another design, I just don't see why it needed to be legendary because this doesn't do anything really relevant for commander it kind of feels like they went with like the lowest common denominator for some of the stuff they're like well if somebody wants to play stickers they could do it with this one and then made like the baby's first legendary design (laughs) you know it feels like they made like uncommon draft pointer creatures and then at some point somebody told them oh we need to actually you know commander is a priority now we need to have more legends and so they just added the word legendary to the type line of these cards and called it a day (laughs) yeah because it's it really is just not looking at like what you're trying to do in commander i really do think they could have made sticker commanders that were like fun or did something cool or interesting oh yeah totally agree they just yeah. didn't try. <laughs> yeah, they did all. not care at all. <laughs> they just phoned this one in a little bit. So mm-hmm. we, we can move on to this next guy who kind of is awesome. <laughs> sure, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I can read him off. This is Captain Rex Nebula. It is one red-white for a 2-2 legendary creature human pilot employee. At the beginning of combat on your turn, target non-land permanent you control becomes a vehicle artifact until end of turn. Its base power and toughness are each equal to its mana value. It has crew 2 and crash land whenever this vehicle deals damage roll a six-sided die if the result is equal to this vehicle's mana value it deals that much damage to any target then sacrifice this vehicle 
So uh, I was thinking this could be good with cheap vehicles that have high equip costs or rather high crew costs. Uh, I was thinking like Colossal Plow costs two mana, crews for six. Uh, but when it attacks, you get a bunch of white mana and you get to gain some life and it's got six power. Uh, so that could be good. It's also useful for just making something not a creature for a little while. So you can make Rex uh, a vehicle and then just cast a board wipe and he will protect himself. Or you can protect another creature through a board wipe, whatever. Maybe Rex is feeling heroic or something. Um, and then in broader color identities, it is worth noting that this can sort of function like a swift reconfiguration for combos with like Devoted Druid or Cinderhaze Wretch. Those things that have abilities uh, that allow you to untap them by putting a minus one, minus one counter on him. So you can just, as long as it's not a creature, that's not a real cost. So you can just, you know, make infinite mana with your devoted druid. Uh, Other than that, I don't have too many notes on him. Anything you want to say about Captain Rex Nebula? Um, just that it's very, very funny. <laughs> like, <laughs> this is one of the ones in the set that um, I saw and it was immediately like, oh my god. <laughs> like, really leaning into the the uh, incompetent captain like trope from just sci-fi and like Futurama and a mm-hmm. bunch of stuff. So, very into this card. Um, I do actually think like this makes a cool thing. I, I I think if you do end up doing something with Colossal Plow, it becomes a 2-2, right? Because it changes the power and toughness. Oh, you're right. It would... But you do uh, get would, mana. You do get a bunch of mana, though. Yeah, yeah. Which is honestly like... That's the whole, that's the whole point of that card, honestly. So, mm-hmm. um, but, so watch out for that. Um, and then... Yeah, I I think I think this will be fun. I think people can like find things to crew that will be uh, pretty splashy or flashy or fun <laughs> as they like <laughs> slide into you. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, just to crash land uh, uh, who knows what <laughs> into, <laughs> into your forces or something. It's pretty funny. I guess that's that's it. That's all of the. Like legal Legal. legends. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have anything you want to say about this crop of legal commanders before we move on to the main deck cards? Um, Just that I'm like kind of sad about it. Like, I feel like when we had all of the legends with um, uh, Unstable, because they were like, yeah, these are Silverboard, they really like pushed like what they were doing and how cool they were. Mm -hmm. And I feel like because these were legal like commander legal and legal and eternal formats etc cetera, etc cetera. like they really phoned it in and that feels kind of bad you know that's like oh well why even bother at that point yeah i totally agree um very underwhelmed by this crop of commanders and and this isn't us just like being in a bad mood or whatever like yeah <laughs> go back and listen to our 40k episode like those commanders were actually sick uh but these are just like they i mean i get that they didn't want to put well okay let's entertain the idea that that they didn't want to push the power on these because it's oh you have to buy the joke product uh to get the cards you actually want for commander or legacy or whatever like if that were true then why didn't they 
follow the same thought process for Warhammer 40k because that has a <laughs> bunch of like really sick commanders and you know potential new staples. So why why like horribly nerf the funny joke set uh and not the like universes beyond that's really really difficult to reprint. I don't know. I I I don't know if I buy that. Yeah, I don't really have a good answer. <laughs> okay. Anyway, let's let's move on to the main deck cards and, and stop kvetching. <laughs> uh, moving on. So number one here, uh, clowning around is one and white for a sorcery. Create two one one white clown robot artifact creature tokens. Then roll a six sided die. If the result is equal to or less than the number of robots you control, create a one one clown robot artifact creature token. So. Uh, it's like a servo exhibition, like about a third of the time you'll get an extra guy. And uh, I mean, I thought of Jorkadine, like Jorkadine is trying for a high density of artifact creature token generators. And this seems fine in that list. I would probably run it. Yeah. Yeah. As long as you're okay with uh, clowns. Yeah. And I think this is fine. You know, mm-hmm. uh, it is very silly. Um I don't know. You just all of a sudden you have to have clown robots and dice for yeah. your, like two drop <laughs> sorcery. But you know, I mean that, that's a problem with a lot of these cards. Like, yeah. if you if you buy into stickers, you got to have a whole sticker deck. If you buy into attractions, you got to have a whole attraction deck. Like, you're yeah. not getting out of of having additional game pieces if you're trying to play with infinity cards. Yeah, <laughs> it's just. So- silly <laughs> like oh cool a decent like token maker for my Jorkadine deck better make sure i have like, extra <laughs> extra dice and stuff so it all works properly um can i read off this next one sure um starlight spectacular is this card it is an enchantment it costs four mana two white white uh, and it has a flavor text ability parade at the beginning of combat on your turn choose creatures you control one at a time until each creature uh, has been chosen each of those creatures gets plus one plus one until end of turn for each creature chosen before it so the first creature will get zero zero the second creature will get plus one plus one etc etc um uh i actually think this is pretty good i think if you have any number of tokens uh this will make a lot of power and toughness for not a lot of effort. Yeah. So, I mean, you really have to look at averages with this card. With five creatures on the field, it'll give an average bonus of plus two plus two. And that's a pretty good rate for four mana. Um, if you have seven creatures out, it'll give an average bonus of plus three plus three. And that's an extremely good rate for four mana. Um, granted, like, you know, there are going to be a couple guys that like it may not be profitable to attack with. Like you're, if all those five creatures are one ones with no abilities, then maybe you don't swing with the the guy who gets plus zero plus zero. Um, but if you have like just a couple of decently sized creatures out, like your commander or whatever, then being able to give the the creatures that are already uh, large ish the zero zero and just spread out the the higher power bonuses to your tokens uh, seems very good. So I'm 
uh, I'd say I'm pretty into this card, provided you can get at least five guys onto the board consistently. And there are mm-hmm. some decks that are very good at that. I was thinking, um, you know, honestly, I would probably consider putting this in Adeline. Like after oh, yeah. her first attack, you're likely to have to be close to the threshold, if not mm-hmm. cross it. And you, and you can play, like, let's say you play a creature or two the turn after you attack, then you're absolutely at the threshold. Yeah. Like, like if you, you go zero, zero, let's say you go like a guy on turn one or two, then Adeline on turn three, swing with the guy you played, uh, assuming that all your tokens, assuming that your tokens get through and don't get eaten. That's five right there. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I think this is pretty reasonable. Um, Although, God, it's going to be annoying. Like, you know, Adeline can get some crazy big board states and just like having to order like 10 creatures every combat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. I mean, it's not any worse than like Cather's Crusade where you're like, all right, these three entered. Yeah. These three true. have this many counters. And these At least it only matters during combat on your turn. Yeah. Rather than, you know. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty funny. Um, do you want to get into this next card? Sure. This is a pretty narrow one. Uh, Bamboozling Beeble is a single mana, single blue mana uh, for a 1-1 creature Beeble. It has protection from robots and one tap the next time target player would roll one or more dice this turn. Instead, they roll that many dice plus one and you choose which of those rolls to ignore. Um, so this, uh, there are like one or two dice rolling commanders. I was thinking in like Faraday um, to make you more likely to get the card from her trigger. Uh, there's also Will, um, W-Y-L-L, the dice rolling uh, chooser. So if you pair him with a blue background, then this could be good in that deck. Just get you even more dice rolling. Um, So a little niche card, but I think it's useful in a couple decks. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was going to mention, Will, it seems like um, most of the other dice rolling cards were in blue just because the Forgotten Realms kind of centered dice rolling in blue-red as like a limited Mm -hmm. theme. So there are a lot of red, blue, will decks. So this seemed like a good card there too. So um, <laughs> talk about hard to track. This next card is uh, called Exchange of Words. Uh, it is a blue enchantment. It costs three mana, one blue, blue. It says when Exchange of Words enters the battlefield, choose two target creatures for as long as Exchange of Words remains on the battlefield. Exchange the text boxes of those creatures. Um, so it's basically, I mean, it's, it's kind of like a swap card, you know, but if you, for whatever reason, have the biggest body on the board and like a creature has a better text box, you can steal that. So that you could also just goober up, um, like two people's commanders or something like that. So yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking for this card. Yeah. That's kind of um, where, where I'm at too. <laughs> Yeah, it's. I mean, it's pretty close to exchanging control of two dark creatures, and if if you like, just read it it solely as that, um, then it. Well, if you read it as that, then like it's probably the most efficient mm, form of that effect, the most efficient variant. Yeah. Um, but like, even the less efficient versions aren't played in like really high concentration like legend main is mostly the same thing uh but for one more mana role reversal 
is basically the same thing, but with like an is it color identity. Um, so, and those don't see a ton of play according to the EDH rec. So mm, probably won't see a ton of adoption, but I think it is a really interesting card. Uh, there's some things I don't fully understand how they work. So let's say you have one creature that's like a star star and like the ability that sets those values is in the text box. So if you take, if you swap out that ability, it no longer has any abilities that define it. What star star is, does it just become zero zero at that point? Or or like, how is, how do the rules resolve that? I'm not sure either. I was also thinking about like, um, well, so you actually may be able to answer this one, but like if you like fiend hunter something and then exchange the text box, does can the fiend hunter die? <laughs> you know, like oh, that's a good question. And then come back. I don't I don't know off the top of my head if the creature yeah. comes back or if it's the object that had the triggered ability that has to leave. Like we may have to check in with Charlotte about yeah. how <laughs> this works. I mean with some of those weirder rules interactions, it's possible that there's more play to this card than, than meets the eye. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it definitely seems fun. So mm-hmm. even regardless of how good it is, like putting this down on the table and then watching everyone kind of groan as you're like, hee hee hee, and you, you pick whatever is best for you, like seems pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't know how good this is off the top of my head. It being that like, it doesn't if they have a six six and you have a one two like that's not changing anything there you know <laughs> but like yeah like maybe you could give the six six defender or something I don't I don't know maybe like it really depends on like the board state and like what your deck is trying to do so it's pretty hard to like gauge off the top of my head like what this what? will look like an average game yeah exactly like what is this gonna do and I think it's well, most of the time it's just gonna mess up to commanders. That's my guess. Right? Yeah. I mean, here's a thought. Like, you know, there is... Zedru is a deck in the format. Like, you can just use this as an easier way to, like... Or another way to donate bad things. Like, okay, you can have this Steel Golem's text box on your commander. And I'll just take that two-lane text box. Thank you. Yeah, I guess I'm more interested in this card now after we've actually talked about it. Um, Do you want to get into this first black card? Yes. Uh, Okay, very quick one here. Uh, This is Deadbeat Attendant. It is one and a black for a 1-1 creature vampire employee. When it enters the battlefield, open an attraction. Uh, And the fact that it's a 1-1 means it's compliant with Shirei, uh, Shizo's caretaker. And because Shirei... You know, is basically a lifeline, but for one power creatures. So whenever one of your one power creatures dies, you return it to the battlefield at the beginning of the next end step, provided Chiray is still around. Um, so, you know, a single attraction, not very compelling. But if you are sacrificing it and bringing it back with Chiray, you know, once per t- turn, like multiple times in a round of turns. Uh, you can get like your whole attraction deck onto the battlefield really fast, and some amount of I mean that yeah okay like attractions don't trigger very often, uh, and not all of their effects are useful for every deck, but it's still better than nothing. It's still pretty good when you have a billion of them. Mm-hmm. 
No, I, I also agree with that sentiment. Like, if you're willing to play with attractions, if you are going to play with the most dangerous gamer, if you're going to just have this extra side deck for fun or whatever, I think this is probably one of the best ways to do it. And being that, like, <laughs> Shirei might just be a, the, the sub-theme of Shirei attractions is, like, a possible <laughs> future the reality that we live in, like, is pretty entertaining to me. <laughs> like, that's pretty funny. Um so yeah, I think this guy is good. It's a common. It's going to be easy to pick up. Um, so again, just after you're done listening to this episode, if you have like a few minutes, like Scryfall has the set split up very, very conveniently on their front page right now into um, like silverboard, like acorn cards and non-acorn cards, legal and non-legal cards. So you can very easily look up like what attractions are there and which ones would I want and like what spread of numbers would I want. So um if that is something you are into doing, you can pretty easily find it with a with a, a little bit of looking. So I don't, I don't really have anything more to say about him. Do you want to get into this next very <laughs> very specific card too? Yeah, this one's actually. I'll say this one's a little bit broader. Um, mm-hmm. This is Last Voyage of the Underscore, and it's just a big line of blank. Um, yeah, yeah. So it's three and a black for an enchantment. When this enchantment enters the battlefield, you may put a name sticker on it. Then it becomes an aura with enchant creature. Return a creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield and attach this aura to it. Enchanted creature gets plus two plus O for each name sticker on this aura with seven or fewer letters. And when this aura leaves the battlefield, sacrifice enchanted creature. Um, So like the name sticker stuff is just trinket text. That doesn't actually matter. What matters is this is like basically another copy of necromancy so it's an additional combo piece for like world gorger's dragon um it's also another combo piece for abdel adrian gorian's ward in either case like it'll just function exactly the same way as necromancy it comes in brings the thing back uh the thing gets rid of the enchantment then the thing goes back to the graveyard and in either case, something else happened to make this loop worthwhile. Like Abdel made you a soldier token or World Gorgeous Dragon kind of flickered all your permanence. Um, so, yeah, it's just a useful tool for the decks that are trying to do weird combos. Oh, speaking mm-hmm. of weird combo pieces, uh, you want to read off this next one? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it is called Saw in Half. This is a black instant. Uh, and it was spoiled a very long time ago at this point. Um, it says, destroy target creature. If that creature dies this way, its controller creates two tokens that are copies of that creature, except the base power is half the creature's power and their base toughness is half that creature's toughness round up each time. So you can cut a one, one and half and he still makes two creatures. <laughs> um, yeah. So this, this has a lot of applications. This is, this is a pretty cool card, actually. Yeah, so uh, in terms of pure combo potential, um, if you cast this and then copy it with a dual caster mage, you can then use the copy of Saw in Half to target the dual caster mage and just whoop, 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 get infinite dual caster mages. Um, and an- another great use for this card is just targeting Archaeomancer variants um, or like Eternal Witnesses, whatever. Because uh, you can target this, make two Eternal Witnesses, two Archaeomancers. One of them gets back the Saw in half. The other one gets back whatever other card you actually wanted. 
So that's a, a great tool for just like creating a recursion engine. Um, and in some cases, like if that third card is like an extra turn effect or something, then you just win the game. Um, so it seems very cool. I like this card. Yeah, I, I really like this card too. I think it's really cool. This is one of the cards that I'm like really excited to play with and like don't know where I'm going to put it. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like, oh no, I have to come up with a deck to put this card in it. Um, so this next card is called Scampire. Uh, this is a 1-3 vampire employee for three mana, two and a black. Uh, when Scampire enters the battlefield, you get a ticket, and then you may put a sticker on a creature card in your graveyard. Uh, and then it has three black return target creature card with a sticker on it from your graveyard to the battlefield. That creature gains haste, exile it at the beginning of the next end step, activate only as a sorcery. So uh, what can, what do I do with this one? <laughs> Uh, so if you combine this guy with a sacrifice outlet and like basically any creature that can produce five or more mana, uh, so like a Dockside Extortionist, a Peregrine Drake, a Mages of the Coffers, a Composite Golem, there's a decent number of, I mean, uh, Palancron, Great Whale, whatever, uh, you can get infinite mana. And that's the main use of this card. Um you, you definitely need to be running it in a deck with a critical mass of sack outlets and, and you got to be running these weird creatures. Uh, but you know, it's combo engine for the decks that are looking for it. Yeah. Yeah. This is one of the cards where when it was spoiled, I was like, Oh man, am I going to have to run some stickers? And then I was like, Oh, okay. Well, this is one of the only <laughs> good ones. <laughs> um, so we're in the red cards and this one, uh, there's a lot to say about it. So, um, this is underscore goblin. So blank goblin. Uh, this is a two, two goblin guest for three mana, two and a red. And it says, whenever this creature enters the battlefield, you may put a name sticker on it. Add red for each unique vowel on that sticker. Uh, and unsets explicitly lay out the vowels as a E I O U and Y. So you're going to count Y this time. So, there, Nick did did some very <laughs> diligent, patient work on this just for all of your benefits. So, do you want to get into to what what's going on here? Yeah, I'll I'll give uh, credit to uh, my friends Jillian and Tom who helped me do some of the legwork for this. <laughs> um, but let me quickly get into the rules of stickers for a moment. So stickers are interesting in that they remain on the card if that card goes to a uh, a zone that is open information. Um, so if a card goes from the battlefield to the graveyard, stickers remain on it. If it goes from the battlefield to exile, stickers remain on it. But uh, and and the reason that's kind that's actually kind of a uh, a limit on this card's power because of the way the ability is worded uh, because it says when this creature enters the battlefield, you may put a name sticker on it, add red for each unique vowel on the sticker. That means that like, you know, you only have uh, nine names across your three sticker cards that you start the game with. So after uh, nine instances of this card entering the battlefield without going to a hidden zone, you're out. You just can't get any more mana. So that really limits your ability to uh, feed this into reanimation engines. You can't just like keep sacrificing it and bring it back with a Nim Death Mantle because 
you know, once you once you run out of stickers, it's not making mana anymore. So what that means is like you can only really do the thing if you uh, have like a bounce engine, so like a cloudstone curio. Because if once a, a stickered card moves to a hidden zone, the stickers just return to the sticker card from whence they came. Uh, and so they're, they're fresh and able to be reused. Uh, now, let's talk about uh, sort of what is possible with this card or like what you can guarantee. So I, I went through all of the word or me, Jillian and Tom went through all the words on all the sticker cards. It is possible to construct a deck such that you are guaranteed to get uh, at least four mana off of your your blank goblin. Um, there's num- stickers number 1, 5, 12, 13, 18, 23, 30, 36, and 45 uh, give a minimum of four vowels in one of the words in the, the name stickers. So even if you're only randomly choosing three, you're going to get at least four no matter what. And so... Th- Blank Goblin is always going to be mana positive. So if you have a Blank Goblin and a Cloudstone Curio and a zero mana creature, then you get, or a a zero mana non-artifact creature like a Kobold, uh, then you get infinite red mana. Uh, If you, or or I guess you could just, you could also have like a Dockside Extortionist or like some other mana positive creature. Um, And then if you just have a one mana creature uh, that costs like a single red or colorless, then you can get infinite storm and infinite creatures entering the battlefield and leaving the battlefield. So I think there's definitely some combo potential with this card, uh, but it sure does require a lot of effort on your part. And it, it only really works with Cloudstone Curio um, or other bounce engines. So keep that in mind if you're playing around with it. Okay, that was a lot yeah. of words about good. Good Blank words. Goblin. Yeah. Do you want to read us off the next card? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we are, this is, I think, the only green card we're going to talk about. Um, this is Pair O Dice Lost. Uh, yes, that it, it's a pair of dice. Um, it's a five mana instant, three green green. It says, roll two six-sided dice. Return any number of cards with total mana value, X or less, from your graveyard to your hand, where X is the total of those results. Exile, Paradise, Lost. Um, so n- notice any number of cards with cost X or less. This basically says get as many lands from your graveyard to your hand, <laughs> which is pretty good for certain commanders or just like certain deck types, your Titanias, and specifically um, Borbrigmus, like 2.0. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, pitch- just get handful yeah. of free lightning bolts back yeah yeah five mana instant speed you're dead uh <laughs> seems pretty good to me <laughs> uh yeah it seems like a a solid card for like that specific deck and um let me think so like six two six-sided dice average will be seven um any decks that like what can you do with that i guess like you know if you're have a high density of elves it can help you sort of like build back if that's something you're interested in but maybe most decks aren't going to bother with that Mm -hmm. this is also getting back any cards so like if you are trying to get back instants and sorceries in your like white green deck or something like that this can help you're like i would like 
uh, I don't know, my, uh, what's that snow tutor, the journey of something or other. Oh, the one with, um, I know the one with Eris on the front of it. Search for glory. Search for, oh, it's something like that. Um, Uh, it is search for glory. Okay. okay, Yeah. Yeah. So let's say you're like, I want to search for glory again. And you, you just don't get the snake eyes and you should be okay. (laughs) You know? (laughs) So I feel like this is, this is just kind of fine in general. If you're just not like, if you have a lot of low curve cards in your deck. Um, so yeah, I guess, I guess that's it. We, we've completed our non acorn section of this episode. Is there anything you want to say before we, uh, move on how are you feeling at this point (laughs) uh let's see i mean it's probably conspicuous for our listeners that we only talked about like 10 main deck cards or something um there just really were not a lot of bangers in this set like the card quality seems i mean maybe we're grossly underestimating like the value of attraction maybe like all of these there's so many cards in the set that are just like ETB open and attraction. Maybe those are all actually bangers because attractions are actually super good, but I am skeptical of that. And so there were only a handful of, and and a handful of cards that seemed relevant to commander. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, time will tell like if attractions end up being like really fun and cool and good, then we'll, we'll tell you, (laughs) we'll be like, Hey, sorry about that. That was that was tight, but yeah, that's true. We do keep ourselves honest here, at Commander Theory. Yeah, um, but for the most part, I'm kind of with you. I'm like, I was excited when they were like. I, I just always think I'm a definitely a proponent for like silver border. At least most silver border cards should be legal in Commander in general. So when they're like, yeah, we're gonna like half the set is legal. I was like, oh, this is great news. Uh, and now looking at it, when it's all said and done, it's like, oh, you just made it legal by like. Making it Not, suck. Yeah. By making <laughs> it bad. Okay. Well, all right. So uh, let's see if these next ones like live up to the silver bordered hype. Because um, we got, we're going to start with these uh, acorn commanders. Uh, I actually think we're not, we don't really have any non acorn commanders that we're going to talk about, right? We're only going to go through legends. Uh, correct. Yeah. We're not going to bother with any of the non legendary acorn cards. Uh, sorry if if you were actually just yell at us if if you really yeah. <laughs> want that we could do it as a bonus episode at some point in the future. I just figured yeah. like the audience for that one would be very, very small. small. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I'm I guess I'm just gonna read off this first one and this first one has uh, you you're gonna notice something about it as I read it. Um, so this is Katarina of Mira's Marvels. This is a three three human performer for four mana two white white. So again, these are everything we're going to say from here on is an acorn card. So this is an acorn card. As uh, Katarina of Mira's Marvels enters the battlefield, choose a letter. When you cast a spell whose name begins with the chosen letter, create a white 2-2 creature token with flying. Sorry, a white 2-2 cat creature token with flying. That's very important to get the joke. Mm. <laughs> the Katarina. <laughs> um, and, uh, oh wait, I forgot a word here. It says um, partner. What? So you can uh, what? <laughs> you can partner this with uh, any other creature with partner. And they can both be your commanders. So yeah, didn't expect that one. 
yeah, it's kind of surprising. Uh, I also, you know, on the list of things I expect out of Infinity, that was not on them. Um, I'll say that for Katarina, she like desperately wants a green partner because there's a lot of combo enablers in green that can really help this pop off and make infinity cats. Uh, so like a Lurin and a white main lion or a core skyfisher will, you know, if you just choose like K for core skyfisher or W for white main lions, uh, then you get infinite cats. Uh, and that's probably pretty good. Um, tangle root. Like, there's other ways to kind of go for it. You could like, potentially put in tangle root or like cost reduction effects or like maybe cryptolithrites and a haste grainer. Like there, eh, there's a couple ways to do it. Um, but really I think that like somehow casting infinite creatures is, I mean, it's gotta be the way to go for this commander. I'm not, I, I don't care about fair cat token generation. I, I want this to go crazy. Yeah. You know? Like if it's not going crazy, like, Oh, oh, I happened to play a spell that starts with M. Here you go. Here's a kitty. <laughs> yeah. Like, not the best. Yeah. Rather than like building your entire deck to have the same letter, just like pick the one spell you can cast many, 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 many times. And then the rest of your deck just put in good cards. It's fine. Mm-hmm. There's actually another commander like that we'll discuss at the very end of this section. Yes, absolutely. So you you uh the the partners all have you choose a thing. So that's a spoiler for some of these ones we're gonna get into. So yes. you can imagine uh what things you'll have to just let that sit with you for a little bit. You know, you're listening in your car, you stop at a red light, like, hmm, what are the other colors gonna care about? Um Do you want me to read off this next one? Go for it. So this is Sola Flora Intergalactic Icon. Uh, this is a 3-3 three, three human guest for 5 mana, 3 white-white. Auras and equipment you control attached to Solaflora intergalactic icon affect other creatures you control as though those auras and equipment were attached to them. Counters and stickers on Solaflora affect other creatures you control as though, as though those counters and stickers were on them. Um, so this is, this is actually really cool. There's like a bunch of like goofy things you can do with this. Yeah, it, I honestly think this is very close to being a legal card. I think that if you maybe if you drop the part about counters and stickers and uh, reword the first ability, I think this is very doable in Black Border. Um, but whatever, let, let's let's talk about the card. Um, so uh, I mean, or is an equipment that generate value are of course where I would want to start out with this like mask of memory and sword of the animist seem good here. Um, gold vein pick. If you've got an army that can connect with your opponents, then that seems very, very good. Uh, I, I think this deck wants to invest in evasion. So not only just like good creatures that happen to fly like a selfless spirit or something, um, but token generators that make spirits and birds um, just so that you can, like, I, I think a lot of the best auras and equipment involve attacking or dealing combat damage, or they just like pump your guys for huge. So you really want to get in with your dudes. But yeah, I, I think that's kind of where I'm at with this deck. Is there any like tech or strategies that you would want to put into a solo flora deck? I 
think that this is like I've, this is what I wish that uh, what was her name Kemba is that her name the cat lady yeah, like Kemba. was you know like the the things you can do with this and like the like making tokens and going wide but just throwing everything on your like commander is like a really interesting thing and it really sucks that this doesn't work in black border some of these cards we're going to talk about they're like kind of goofy or like i might understand why someone might not want to play with them you know like uh especially like a certain dexterity cards that that we're going to talk about but the with her it's like i i feel like if i was at a command fest and someone was like hey can i play my sola flora deck i'd be like yeah because it just seems like incredibly fair you know Mm -hmm. like if i die to soul flora it's because you like worked really hard (laughs) yeah your five mana commander had to survive long enough for you to you know put a bunch of ores and equipment on it and then you had to have a bunch of guys it's this is very fair magic yeah very very fun and good and fair magic so very i was excited about this one this one's really cool Mm -hmm. um i don't know if there's any other anything that i missed but um i think if you're good to move on i'm good to move on yeah this next one is uh interesting um this is fluoros of mira's marvels it's two blue blue for a three four legendary creature merfolk performer as fluoros of mira's marvels enters the battlefield choose a number greater than zero whenever you cast a spell with power toughness or loyalty equal to the chosen number Target artifact or creature becomes an artifact creature with base power and toughness XX until end of turn, where X is the chosen number and it has partner. So this is a number. Uh, this is another member of the partner cycle. And Zach, can you uh, enlighten us as to why this is an acorn card? <laughs> well, you see. Um, oh wait, no, I don't actually. Uh, hmm, my notes here have been uh, ripped, ripped off. So. Uh, yeah <laughs> could it be could it be um that mark rosewater said so basically uh <laughs> so he uh, he went on um i think it was on tumblr he said this uh basically the reason fluoros is uh acorn is that all the other members of the cycle are acorn and at some point he like promised somebody the powers that be uh that all the partner cards would be acorn they wouldn't introduce any new acorn cards into proper commander or and any more partner cards into into proper commander so even though there's nothing about these mechanics that make it silver border it just got the acorn anyway and there it's not the not the only card in this set to uh, get shafted like that but whatever yeah Uh, (laughs) let's talk about what you actually do with fluoros um so uh animating artifacts and that has a lot of combo potential um i was thinking like if you have a voltaic construct which is four costs two two uh construct artifact creature uh, it has two mana so two generic untap target artifact creature and if you have any mana rock that taps for three or more mana uh you know grand dynamo uh build lotus whatever then if you animate the Thrandynamo uh, into an artifact creature, then you can tap it for three mana. Voltaic Construct can untap it, and then you get infinite colorless mana, and then presumably you can think of a way to win the game from there. Yeah, hopefully. 
Uh, so yeah, that's kind of what I'm thinking about with fluorose. That's like probably the most promising thing. Uh, there's other ways you could untap your big mana rocks, but most of them would require it the rock itself to tap for more than three mana. So if you have like a, I don't know, a Nyx Lotus or, or a Chromatic Orrery, something that taps for big boy mana, then you can animate it and then um, uh, equip like an Umbral Mantle or a Sword of the Parans and then just generate infinite mana that way. Although even if a even if you have like a Thran Dynamo or something that only taps for three, you can still like, you know, just make an infinite, infinite guy. You know, you won't be like, if you like slap an umbral mantle on it, um, you won't be netting mana, but you will still get the, um, you will still get the power and toughness bonus from the umbral mantles activation. Because, you know, surprise, that card actually does more than just untap your creature. <laughs> yep. So I, I guess that's an option, but yeah, that, that's kind of where I'm at with Fluoros. That's what I would be trying to do with him. Yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a him, but um, I, I suppose there is no nipple covering going on. So there we go. Yeah, yeah, still, still on that one. Um, so I, I would, I, I would do about the same thing. I think like if you're just casting spells to make like artifacts or creatures. Uh, artifact creatures with base tower and toughness XX, where X is like, I don't know, three or four or something. Like, mm-hmm. that's not very good. I think if you're going to play Fluoros, it's probably because you're trying to combo. That's what I'm going to assume when you're like sitting down with me. And like, maybe there is something that is like cool about this. You're, there's like power or toughness matters cards that you end up playing but like I, I feel like that's not deep enough at this point at least in blue to have a compelling deck here so i don't, I don't know um but that gets us on to the next commander which is nocturno of mira's marvels this is a black vampire performer they are a two two for four mana so two black black as nocturno of mira's marvels enters the battlefield choose a word with five or more letters Whenever you cast a spell with the chosen word in its rules text, you draw a card and you lose two life. And again, it has partner. So this is a pretty neat one. Um, I've heard a couple good suggestions for words to choose. Uh, Target and destroy are both good ones. I mean, there's certainly a lot of good spot removal spells in this color identity. Um, And just like, you know, killing something and drawing a card for a very low mana cost is pretty hot. Uh, I was thinking also like additional is really good if you're in like a black green color identity. Uh, we've got a sample list posted in the episode description, so go ahead and check that out. But it, I did um, Nocturno and Tana the Blood Sower. So additional gets you a lot of things. It gets you like additional land drop effects like explore um, or exploration, whatever. It also gets you land auras like you know overgrowth or wild growth, um, fertile ground, wolf of haven. Because, you know, they, they're all worded, like, whenever Enchanted Land is tapped for mana, its controller adds an additional blank. Um, there's also, like, things with additional costs. So uh, being able to, like, you know, cast your Thrill of Possibility, uh, discard a card as an additional cost, and then draw two cards from the Thrill and one from Nocturno, like, actually going mana positive 
or, or like card positive on those is kind of sweet. Uh, and then there's just like random things like, you know, fire covenant makes you pay X life as additional cost or Harrow makes you sacrifice a land as additional cost. I guess, I guess also like crop rotation is a good one. Uh, so there's a lot of, yeah, it, it was pretty easy to fill out a deck for, of just like things that do additional stuff. Um, I think it might be a little light on win conditions, uh, but you all you all can figure that out. The point is, like, you ramp like crazy. Uh, you you draw a million cards. You, you can figure out a win condition given those initial conditions. Um, yeah, and yeah. So I, I think there's a lot of neat ways to build Nocturno. If you've found another build that works really well for you, um, please let us know. Like, I guess counter. Uh, like like could be counter spells or could be like putting counters on things. There's just so many good words to choose. Uh, so yeah. yeah, let us know if you found a spicy one that works well for you. Yeah, I I really like this commander. I think this is a really cool. Like my my first thought was target. I was like, oh target, and then there's just so many cool other ones. So I guarantee you there is some forum somewhere, some Discord somewhere where you can see all the smart things people have said about Nocturno. Yeah. Um, I, w- I would just say, like, um, you can't completely ignore your life total in this deck. You do pro- probably want to run a couple good, like, either, like, really impactful or just, like, over time uh, drain effects or, or just life gain, maybe, like, some extort cards. Because um, otherwise, the the two life is going to add up very quickly. Yes. Yeah, you're gonna have to put something in, or what? That, what's the Sangromancer? So when things die, you gain three. Like, oh yeah, perfect. Hey, boom, solved. Yeah, hey, you got him. Um, so this next card is uh, very silly. This is Devil K Neville. This is a two-one Devil Performer for three mana, two and a red. It has haste, and when Devil K Neville enters the battlefield, jump it over any number of creatures. If it clears those creatures, put that many plus one plus one counters on it. And uh, it has some reminder text. You can see a jumping documentation at devilkneville.com. Um, yeah, so what is jumping? Uh, well, you do, do they have to be in play? I can't remember. I did watch the video one time, and now I can't remember all the rules. Does it, is it like anything that was on the battlefield I can stack in I, the line? I'm I'm gonna say uh, I'll, I don't really remember, but I don't think it fully matters. Like what matters is like you put Devil K Neville so that it's like balanced, sort of half on, half off the edge of whatever playing surface you're using, and then you line up a bunch of cards, and then you're you're trying to like hit it from the bottom, like smack it from the bottom, such that it like flips up and over however many cards you lined up, um, and I guess that they have to be creatures. So okay. So maybe that is like sort of an upper limit. If you don't have a ton of creatures on the battlefield, it's not going to mm. get highly embiggened. Um, so worth watching the video if you're really interested in this card. Personally, I am not really interested in this card. Uh, I think the gi- <laughs> I think the gimmick is fun, but the reward for doing well is pretty boring. Um, like, yeah, okay, it'll, you know... Well, if, if you're like trying to get it down early and do the Voltron thing, there's just not going to be a lot of creatures to jump over. And, you know, it, it's 
got some relevant qualifications for like a Voltron commander as haste. That's nice. But it is somewhat dependent on like what your opponents are doing. And if they just don't have like a lot of mana dorks or like cheap utility creatures, then it might, I mean, it might be kind of like a lackluster stunt the first time you cast him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're like, oh, two? Okay. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so I, th- I think the mini game is fun. I just wish that, <clears throat> and and it is worth watching the video just for uh, a discussion of the ways you're not allowed to game the card. Because, um, you know, my first thought was like, okay, you know, if I put him in a top loader, that'll add some heft to it. I could probably launch him farther. And they're like, nah, not allowed. Please watch the video if you're trying to do this. But yeah, I'm not really sold on him as a commander. I wish that the reward was just something more interesting. Yeah. Oops. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, it's funny because like, uh, I think it was on the discord we were talking about this card and someone was like, I wish the reward was better. And you're like, I'm pretty sure the jumping is the reward for the devil K Neville player. Yes. <laughs> Which is pretty much, I think, spot on. So all of that said, Ignacio of Mirrors Marvels is the next card. Uh, this is a 4-3 Lizard Performer for 4 mana, 2 red red. Uh, as Ignacio of Mirrors Marvels enters the battlefield, choose Armor, Blood, Book, Bottle, Fang, Fire, Scroll, Spear, Sword, or Water. Whenever you cast a spell with the chosen object in its art, create two treasure tokens and it has partner. Okay, so like this cast trigger is a huge reward. Um, that's very very good because even if like all the 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 cards with the, the chosen characteristic aren't two or less mana, like it's going to be enough that are really cheap that you can sort of subsidize a, a couple more expensive ones, and that basically what you're trying to do with this deck is get to a density of like card draw spells like your commander is kind of solving for mana you just need to solve for cards so you're looking for a density of card draw spells such that you can kind of like cast your entire deck um and i i did i I gotta say if you are trying to build ignacio you have to use scryfall's art tagger um the syntax is like a tag so a t a g colon search and then put in the search term um there are some dedicated people who uh have been like going through every single card's art and tagging uh every like object they can identify in the art which makes ignacio makes it possible to build an ignacio deck i I wouldn't even attempt it without uh the, the art tagger function that being said uh, it is like a sort of community volunteer thing. So I don't think it's 100% perfect. I think I, there were like, as I was doing some research, I actually found one or two cards that did not get tagged with the appropriate thing. Um, but whatever, it'll it'll do like nine, 99% of the work for you. Yeah. <laughs> um, so doing some searching like this, uh, I found that like book, scroll, and water, those three words all have around like 30-ish uh, decent cheap draw spells or cantrips. Um, 
it's uh, it's it's kind of lower than the density I was hoping for. I I really wanted to get like crazy with it. I want to do like forty, um, but yeah. you can uh, you can stretch this a little bit. Like you know, if you are so book scroll and water, they only really worked if you had a blue red color identity. But if you're in blue red, then you can do things like you know have a archmage emeritus and make it so that you can go a little dig a little bit deeper with each of these spells that you're casting uh and so maybe it doesn't quite matter that you don't have that not literally every single card in your deck has this characteristic um you know there's other things too like jace's sanctum will let you scry when you cast one of these and that'll help you dig a little deeper so if you um add in some infrastructure you might be able to go a little bit further i I can't guarantee you're going to be able to like fully combo off cast your entire library but you will be able to do a lot of things uh you will take many game actions i think with a a well put together ignacio deck yeah i agree i do want to say like it uh it is very cool to like nick did a lot of work on these partner commanders and it shows it's really cool to see like all of these things and uh, i think the audience is gonna like all this advice if they're looking to build these commanders because uh, man it's it was a lot of work so um all of <laughs> I, that w- said, I wish i could see the analytics on like uh when people are dropping off from the episode because if they all just leave before the acorn <laughs> commanders i'll know that my work was for nothing no yeah so this <laughs> this next one this is the last partner is hardy of mirrors marvels so Hardy is an elf performer, uh, a 4-4 four, for four, 4, 2 green-green. As Hardy of Mirror's Marvels enters the battlefield, you choose a number. Whenever you cast a spell with the chosen number of lines of flavor text, put that many plus one plus one counters on that creature, uh, on target creature. Oh, sorry. It's better than that. Put that many plus one plus one counters on target creature. So you can put the counters wherever you want. Um, and it has partner. Yeah, this is, this is, this is pretty good. You can imagine it's pretty easy to get a lot of counters. Yeah, and you know, being a Greek a green commander that can add a lot of counters to things, there are some cards that synergize very, very well with that. So like uh Incubation Druid and Orochi Merge Keeper uh both get like sort of one time bonuses. They just care about the state of having a counter on them. So if you can just get them to that point, they will add a lot more mana for you. Uh, and then there's some that just scale with the number of counters on them. So like Gyre Sage, Marwyn the Nurturer, and Heron Blade Elite all you know either add mana equal to their power or equal to the number of plus plus one counters on them. Um, so if you just keep pumping them up, they will add more and more mana for you. Uh, and you know it might be worthwhile if you're like looking for a win condition to just like put in Staff of Domination or Umbral Mantle or sort of the Parans and just plan to make infinite mana at some point with one of these mana dorks and your untapper effect. Just just a potential way to win with this deck. Um, and then, of course, like I have to mention, as an elf and a four mana, four power green commander, uh, there's just a lot of mana dorks that are specifically good in this deck. So like Elysian Caryatid and Whisper of the Wilds uh, work really well with Hardy. They're two cost uh, mana dorks that tap for a single mana. And then if you have a creature with power four or greater, they tap for two mana. 
Uh, so they can help you ramp out Hardy and then add a bunch of mana in the following turns. And then Priest of Titania, because Hardy is an elf, uh, you can cast Priest on turn two, ramp out your Hardy, and then make big boy mana in following turns. Um, okay, in terms of the number to choose, uh, I think that two lines is probably the right choice. Uh, I was just kind of scrolling through uh, staples, and first off, I, I think you really got to focus on staples for the most part because the more frequently a card is reprinted, the more likely it is to have variant flavor text. And if it's got multiple options for flavor text, the more likely you are to hit the number you're trying to hit. I think two lines is the right choice. I was able to find a lot of good cards uh, with two lines of flavor text. I don't think you have to, you, you really don't need your entire, um, you really don't need your entire deck to trigger the thing. Like most of these cards are like good enough at a certain point. Um, you know, once you get your Gyrus Age or your Marwin or your Heron Blade Elite to a point where they're mana positive with like Staff of Domination, it's it's fine. Who cares uh, if you get more than that? So, a couple just like examples of some of the many, um, uh, some of the many staples that have two lines of flavor text. There is a version of Counterspell with two lines of flavor text. Uh, there's an offer you can't refuse. There's Disdainful Stroke. There's uh, Negate. There's Pongify. There's eh, there's more. Um, a fair number of mana dorks like Finhorn Elves, Bloom Tender, Birds of Paradise. You can get versions of all those cards with two lines of flavor text. So a lot to do. Um, I think this is well paired with Thrasios because I was going for the um, the infinite mana line. So Thrasios is just a an outlet for your infinite mana that will find you a win condition. Um, and blue adds a lot of good interaction, uh, a fair number of cards with two lines of flavor text. Uh, I think that's all I wanted to say about Hardy. Let me yeah, know no, if we'll have alternate builds for her. Yeah, no, the Hardy is, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head. I think two is the easiest, like, uh, like Priest of Tart- Titania and stuff just has two lines of flavor text. You know, like a lot of naturalizes have two lines of flavor text. So it's not hard. And like casting a spell and getting two extra plus one plus one encounters for it is, is very good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's like... Uh, not usually that cheap, so that's pretty exciting. Um, which I think gets us down to just we're we're in these multicolor commanders now. Uh, oh nope nope sorry I missed one I missed one. It's okay. This will be quick. Yeah. Um, next is Germain Pride of the Circus. It's green green for a two three legendary creature cat performer. He has green tap. Put two plus one plus one counters on target creature with four or more legs. Uh, and one green green tap until end of turn all creatures able to block target creature with four or more legs do so so um i I mean the i think the only real way to build around this guy is to run cheap like death touch spiders scorpions and basilisks uh pump them up and then lure your opponent's creatures into blocking them i think that's just what you're supposed to do with this guy Mm -hmm. yeah i think that is exactly what i would try to do with this guy 
it seems fun, seems easy, um, doesn't seem hard to build compared to some of these other partner commanders mm-hmm. that we were uh, talking about. You're like, oh, yes, beasts. Yes, I've done it. Easy. <laughs> <laughs> easy, elephant, boom. Um, so now we are in the multicolor commanders. So this first one is Angelic Herald, uh, like the guy. Uh, and uh, he's a 2-2 angel performer for three mana, one white blue. He is flying. And when Angelic Herald enters the battlefield, you may put a name sticker on a non-land permanent you own. Each creature you control with three or more words in its name get plus one plus one. Um, so th- this is actually like not that hard to do. There's like a lot more things than I thought that have like three words in their name. Um, but also like, am I do I want to like severely limit what I'm doing and or play with like some bad sticker cards in order to get a glorious anthem? You know, like that's mm-hmm. kind of where I'm at with this guy. Yeah, that's basically how I feel about him. Uh, I think there are, if you're just trying to support an aggressive strategy, there are commanders with fewer deck building restrictions that do more to support your strat. So like Linvala 3.0, the blue-white Linvala, uh, it costs the same amount of mana, can give all your guys hexproof or indestructible, and uh, you know she doesn't require you to gimp your deck by running only cards with three or more names or three or more words in their name um so i i think i would i think there's just better options than herald for doing generic aggro in blue white yeah just pumping and stuff so again this is like why 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 they it feels like they like nerfed this guy or like the reward is like really lame it, like I mean, it's it seems like it's designed by somebody who doesn't know or care about Commander. Yeah, exactly. Um, but that's okay, maybe, kind of, because there's a second blue-white Commander. Uh, this is Claire Deloon, Joy Sculptor. Uh, so I do want to mention, so Angelic Herald is an uncommon. This one is a rare. That doesn't get there. We'll see. Uh, it costs white-blue, so just two mana value, for a 2-3 human performer. When Claire de Lune, Joy Sculptor, enters the battlefield, for the rest of the game, tokens you own become cards that are still tokens. Uh, and she has one white, blue, tap. You may put a token from your graveyard or hand onto the battlefield. Do not shuffle your tokens into your library. Oh, please. Yeah, um, that is that will not end well for you. <laughs> You're like, wow, third turn in a row, I've drawn a servo. <laughs> <laughs> Uh-oh, um, you gunked yourself. So there, there is an old mechanic that Richard Garfield tried to use called gunk, where you put like fake cards in your opponent's deck mm-hmm. so that like they would draw and it would be a gunk and they wouldn't actually have drawn a card that turn. Very cool. That's basically what Claire de Lune does to yourself if you're not careful. But yeah, this is pretty interesting. Like, Do you want to talk about like what this means for you if you're going to build around it? Okay, so I've seen people talking about like using this as a battle wits commander. That's like, uh, I'd say you can do that if you want to get the gamer score, but it's very difficult, and you like have to actively turn away from winning in order to make that happen. Because it's like, okay, I've got 150 tokens on the battlefield. Now let me make them all into cards, destroy them, 
and then shuffle them into my library so I can win a different way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I, yeah, that's, I, I think that's more of a, a gimmicky joke way to do the deck. I think that this has a lot of promise as a reanimator commander though. Um, because there are a lot of cards in this color identity that like make a token copy of something. So if you just like cackling counterpart, some good creature, and then use clear to loon to make it into a card, get it into your graveyard and, or like have some sort of sack outlet, then you can just reanimate it with clear to loon every turn. Um, and depending on what the card is, that could be pretty good. Like a, a luminate primordial every turn seems kind of sick. Uh, if you've got a high density of merfolk, if you can like guarantee you'll have a merfolk on the board, then you can do like a goofy infinite turn combo with wanderwine profits. But that's that's probably like too hard to pull off. I think you just want to get value from uh, reanimating big impactful creatures over and over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and. I think there are like enough fun tokens that exist because you're in blue that like you you won't get bored, you know? So like token copies, Aranicus's vile duplication, et cetera, et cetera. Like just seems like kind of cool, kind of fun. And uh, yeah, I do like, well, I guess the clones will have a mana value, but some of the, the, your merit lages and whatnot (laughs) might not have uh, mana values. So you can get them back with uh like Savine's reclamations and whatnot, which is pretty funny. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I guess let's get on to the the next one if you're ready. Sure. Uh, the next one is Truss Chief Engineer. It is blue black for a one three legendary creature, Vidalcan Rogue Employee. Whenever Truss Chief Engineer enters the battlefield or another creature dies, put a hack counter on Truss, and it has two tap remove X hacks. Remove X hack counters from Truss. Add or subtract X from a number or number word on target spell or permanent until end of turn. This effect can't reduce a number below one or a number word below one. So uh, this is really interesting. This is one of the more interesting commanders to come out of the set. Um, And it's very good for enabling combos. So the easiest way to combo off is probably going to be Basalt Monolith. Um, you can reduce the number in the like generic cost to untap the monolith such that you get to tap the monolith for three, untap it for two or one, and just get infinite colorless. Just do that as many times as you want to. Um, Grim Monolith also works if you can generate at least one hack counter off of a kill spell. Uh, and then also friend of the show, Alex Quite Clay, mentioned that you can use this to increase the mana produced by cards that say add one mana of any color. So uh, Alex was saying like if you have a stonework pack beast or any of those other cards that like allow you to pump mana and, and filter it, um, then if you just make it so that instead of paying two to get one mana of any color, you're paying two to get three mana of any color, uh, then, well, that'll go infinite and you can find a way to win with infinite mana. So it seems pretty cool. Fun little hacking commander. They always print something like this in the unsets now. Um, and I think it's because like it's a fun little treat for your brain to be like, ooh, what can I get away with? <laughs> like 
what can I find and make work a different way? So uh, kind of changes the landscape for you to think about what's going on with your deck. And that's pretty fun. Um, I guess, can I get into this next card? Sure. Go for it. So, yeah. So this is meet and greet Sisse. Sisse uh, is in quotes, a one, one elf performer for two mana, red, green. So just mana value two. Whenever you cast a spell, choose one flavor meet and greet. Sisse gets plus one, plus one until end of turn for each line of flavor text that spell has. Or history, create a treasure token if that spell doesn't share an expansion symbol with a permanent you control or a card in your graveyard. Um, so this is this is very funny because it's two commanders and one commander, and from what I've seen, both of them are very good. So one of the reasons, because I was thinking about the flavor text one, and I was seeing like builds people had made on Twitter and whatnot. For the flavor version of this card, uh, it's because you can just, it's very, very big, very quickly. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like you can just kill someone flat out on like turn three or four most games. Uh, so that's why, if you're really gunning for flavor, that's why this is an acorn <laughs> card. <laughs> um, but do you want to get into uh, the history part of this card? Yes, uh, I I personally was a lot more interested in the history part. I would much rather, I mean, like flavor, you can maybe beat somebody's ass, but history, you can probably win the game. Um, so I, I think it's extremely easy to build your deck so that none of your non-land cards share an expansion symbol. And even if you don't bother with that, uh, all that really matters is that you only have one card from Strixhaven or Future Sight, depending on your preference. Um, because if Grinning Ignis is the only card from Strixhaven or the only card from Future Sight, then you can basically combine it with Sisse to generate Infinite Storm. You cast your Grinning Ignis, uh, <clears throat> you'll get a treasure off Sisse. You crack that treasure for the red mana to bounce Grinning Ignis. To add the mana to recast Grinning Ignis, you can just keep doing that as many times as you want and generating Infinite Storm. Um, and also, like, infinite casting of creatures, infinite uh, creatures entering the battlefield. There's just a lot of ways to make use of that in this color identity. So even if you don't have the Storm card in your hand, well, maybe you got a Beast Whisperer out, or maybe you have a Guardian Project or, or a Great Henge or something, um, that will allow you to dig until you do get the the storm wind con. So I think this is pretty sweet. I mean, you're in a green color identity. You can tutor up a grinning Ignis relatively easily. Uh, seems like a powerful commander. If you're the funny thing is like, you know, because it's acorn, because it's silver border, um, you're, you can, Maybe you can get your friends to agree to let you play with it once, but perhaps not many times after that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's true. It, I think both versions of this deck, that's pretty true of, because if you just are like, knock somebody out on turn three or four, the first two times you play with meet and greet Sisse with flavor, like someone's not going to want to play with you. And then if you consistently combo out <laughs> with your history meet and greet Sisse, then someone's not going to want to play with you. So definitely um, a very funny candidate for the silver border commander. But yeah, you probably aren't going to make 
too many friends with it unless they're they're down you know unless they're also building some silver border stuff Mm -hmm. um and with that said can i get on to this next commander sure go for it so this is lila hospitality hostess uh so this is a three three elf employee for four mana two green white uh says you may look at the top card of your library at any time says you may cast common spells from the top of your library and guess you control get plus one plus one uh so commons so <laughs> guess commons, tribal eh? we're on the mm-hmm. same page right yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah the all 16 guests in this color or something like that <laughs> um all right so there i mean there are a lot of like useful cards at common um especially ramp cards you know you've got a lot of common uh mana dorks a lot of i mean many common mana rocks a lot of common ramp spells like you know harrow or cultivate or kodama's reach or uh nature's lore there's many ways to increase your mana um and the tricky part of this card is figuring out like what you're going to do with all your mana and also what do you do about the problem of lands on the top of your library i guess you can like yeah how do you clear those off the best way to mill yourself just come hmm. i mean you could scry i guess there's um a couple decent ways to scry like maybe a season of growth if you're getting a lot of creatures down you can scry a whole lot um yeah or a rumor gatherer will also help you do that Mm -hmm. um i mean you other things you want in this deck like probably want a scroll rack just to help you stack your top card. And then, uh, I mean, once you have a million mana, you're in green. You can just, I guess, get a Craver Hoof or something. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, it seems fine. I, I don't think it's... I, I have not felt quite as compelled by this card as many of the other cast things off the top of your library we've seen before, in part because, like, common doesn't feel like an interesting restriction to me i'm still playing like a lot of the format staples whereas like if i'm limited to casting merfolk off the top or um i don't know other other things uh then that's a bit more interesting to me but it's it's fine whatever um (laughs) you can you can easily have a high density of cards so that this will draw you like a card 40 percent of the time or like the top card will be live like 40 percent of the time or something or 50 percent of the time yeah and that's that's pretty good you know mm-hmm. i'm into that's, that yeah it's not bad um do you want to read off this next one uh okay this is a brims barone midway mobster three white black for a five four legendary creature human rogue when brims barone enters the battlefield put a plus one plus one counter on each other creature you control that has a hat and brims has menace as long as you're wearing a hat uh what are your thoughts on brim classic uncar <laughs> you gotta so just some prep for if you're going to a pre-release like you gotta be wearing a hat you should probably be wearing glasses make sure you take a selfie of yourself in a pose that like looks like a magic card and you tag it with the special taggy thing mm-hmm. uh, make sure you bring a lot of dice uh, there's gotta be something else that I'm forgetting. <laughs> um, and Brims is basically leaning into all that. Is it good? 
No. Uh, yeah, no. Nah. Yeah, no, not not really good. Um hats and cards are uh it really depends on the set. <laughs> like mm-hmm. New Capenna, a lot of hats. Uh Ixalan, a lot of hats. Um Innistrad, a lot of hats, but like uh I don't know, Lorwyn? You know, not too many hats. Mm-hmm. Um what are other ones? Like Mercadian masks, any anywhere where there's like peasants, you know, <laughs> not a lot of not a lot of hats. Yeah, elves don't normally wear hats. Mm, true, true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, I think this is like, yeah, a relatively narrow slice of cards and a pretty weak reward. Um, like a single plus one plus one counter once for a five mana commander. Yeah. This is, uh, yeah. I I think the person who designed this doesn't care about commander or or like intentionally did not want this to be good in the format yeah exactly so um you know whatever <laughs> this next Moving card on. is is really strong though uh yeah grand marshall macy is one white black for a 2-2 legendary creature human performer you may choose not to untap grand marshall macy during your untap step if you do put a pause counter on it then you lose one life for each pause counter on it uh, whenever Macy becomes untapped, remove all pause counters from it. And to tap, choose an until end of turn or this turn effect. As long as Macy remains tapped, that effect doesn't end. What do you think is the best effect to maintain? Um, hmm. I mean, it's got to be giant growth, right? It's oh. gotta be like a Ooh, unfortunately not in this color identity. Oh. Uh, oh, I, you're I right. guess you're gonna have to settle for something else. What's your what's your second best choice? Uh, probably oh, I guess you know, maybe if my opponent didn't cast spells the rest of the game, that'd be pretty good. Okay, all right. I yeah, can number see that. two, you know, number we gotta we gotta go somewhere. So yeah, number two is silence. Mm-hmm. And number three is probably lifelink, you know, giving something lifelink. Ah, uh, that yeah, that's not a bad one either. Yeah, yeah that's good. Yeah. Um but failing that, if you can't find your your lifelink effect, probably go with silence. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah, it's pretty wild. Um, there are some other funny things you could do. You could do like um, there are some cards that say like until in a turn, whenever a creature dies, blank, um, make that happen forever. But honestly, like having somebody just like Iona permanently forever <laughs> is mm-hmm. is pretty good. It's a lot. That's a lot of. Uh, value there you know uh so for three mana not not a bad deal well i guess three mana and then two mana again next turn but yeah very strong (laughs) yes uh very solid um i i mean you're in a black color identity so you can search up the silence more easily Mm -hmm. uh and then there's a little bit of redundant i mean Nothing quite as good as silence, but like Oramus Chant um, can prevent one player from casting spells for the rest of the game. Uh, and I guess, ooh, this is a, here's a rules question for you. Like, love those unrules questions. Oh, yeah. um, so Oram's Chant has target player can't cast spells this turn, and if this spell was kicked, creatures can't attack this turn. So do those both count as one effect? for the purposes of Macy or do you have to choose one of them? Cause oh. it's two separate sentences that say this turn. Yeah. Huh? Um, I think it's, 
I think it's one effect, right? Okay. I think I'll, it's I'll still I'll one. say sure, I'll say yes, but like um I I could imagine a world in which that's not true. But again, it's it's silver border. So like Mark Rosewater makes the rules. He he could who knows what he's gonna rule. Um <laughs> Yeah, that's true. <laughs> okay, anyway, yes. Very very powerful commander, uh very cheap and wins the game in a extremely painful way. Uh moving on. Yeah, <laughs> moving on. So this next commander is uh it came from planet Glurg. Uh, that is the name of the creature. Uh it is a zero zero alien ooze for X X green blue. So two X's, green, blue, MV2, but you got some X's in there. Uh, you may have It Came From Planet Glurg. Enter the battlefield as a copy of X different creatures on the battlefield. And then the reminder text says it has their total power, total toughness, combined mana costs, all text boxes, names, art, and so on. Um, so this, I mean, yeah, this. I think the obvious... Not even just because it's an ooze. This just kind of looks like a combo card, which means it's probably like an experiment crash. But it mm-hmm. seems like a little bit easier than even experiment crash because you like don't have, don't to, have play. to bother with the counters. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you just are like, all right, I'm here now. I win. Yep. Uh, so for those of you who aren't familiar with experiment crash, really what you want to do is assemble like any creature that taps for two or more mana, at least one of which must be blue. Uh, and like a horseshoe crab or a simic ragworm or a polypala or a morphling or a soliton. Although if you have a polypala, then you, I guess it doesn't have to be blue mana. But um, anyway, you get any of those two on the battlefield and then make it came from planet Glurg uh, copies of a copy of them. Then it just taps for infinite mana and uh, it is incumbent upon you to figure out how to win from there. Shouldn't be too hard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I trust you. Um, dear listener, I trust you to win the game. Um, <laughs> so we have a, a new edition. We we finished it with Unhinged. We had uh, Spike Power Gamer. So this set we get, uh, since the psychographs have... Uh, been exhausted. Less, yeah, been exhausted. We have Vorthos, Steward of Myth, in this set. Uh, so Vorthos, Steward of Myth, is a 1-3 human gamer for two mana, one and a red. As Vorthos, Steward of Myth, enters the battlefield, choose a named magic character. Each spell you cast with the chosen character in its name, flavor text, or art costs Wooburg less to cast. So, white, blue, black, red, green. This effect reduces only the amount of colored mana you pay. And uh, that's it. So, basically, you make a theme deck around a character and all your spells are cheaper. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, pretty good, actually. There's a lot. There are a few characters who have done a lot of time on magic art and flavor text. Yes, uh, you know we have a a friend who has a bolus deck. So, uh, you know there there's and if you just look through EDH rec, you can see a couple like character themed stuff, especially for like planeswalkers. Oh yeah, uh, you'll see like Liliana themed decks, Chandra themed decks. So, sure, you folks out there can have a lot of fun with that. Uh, but really, if you want to know what the correct choice is, like, I mean, the correct choice, of course, is following your heart and choosing the character you love. But if you want to win, uh, <laughs> you can choose if you choose to fairy, 
then there is a little card called Shrieking Drake, which mentions Teferi in the flavor text. And, you know, if you happen to reduce its cost by a single blue mana, then it ends up costing zero mana. And it has the line of text, uh, when it enters the battlefield, return a creature you control to its owner's hand. So uh, you can just cast Shrieking Drake over and over as many times as you like for free and win with any storm condition, any storm wind condition in all five colors. Uh, or, or I guess like, you know, an impact tremors or whatever. You can figure it out. Um, you've got infinite creatures entering the battlefield, infinite creatures leaving the battlefield, infinite spells being cast. Uh, you can do that. Um, also, another one that works well, if you have, if you choose Multani, um, Multani is referenced in the flavor text of Horned Kavu. Uh, so Horned Kavu is a green and a red mana for a 3-4 creature Kavu. When it enters the battlefield, return a red or green creature you control to its owner's hand. So if you reduce its mana cost by red-green, then it's just zero mana for a creature that bounces itself to your hand. And, well, that's another card that works much the same way. You get to cast infinite creature spells and win from there. Uh, So (laughs) I, I think if... If you want to mix in a little bit of spike with your Vorthos, there's the pro strat. Yeah, I think this is a cool addition to the the like player type category cards for the unsets. I think this is a cool place to go. So I'm really interested in what Melvin ends up doing. Mm. Um, that one's gonna be hard to design. I think I do too. I think it's gonna be like because how do you make it like not that wordy? You know, mm-hmm. I don't. It's also like just a difficult concept to convey (laughs) yeah um i'd like the when the elements of a card combine in a aesthetically pleasing way like how do you what do you do with that Mm -hmm. the mechanical elements of a card that is yeah Uh, okay well uh good luck wizards designing that one that sounds like a toughie (laughs) yes so we can get on to the last card we're going to talk about today which is a, a legendary artifact creature um so this is doodle characterist um doodle is spelled d-o-o dash d-l uh this is a six mana one one robot so like i said it's a legendary artifact creature robot when doodle caricaturist enters the battlefield create a four four colorless sketch creature token uh which you have 15 seconds to draw the token has flying if it has wings in its art. The same is true for first strike and a sword, vigilance and a shield, menace and mean eyes, trample <laughs> and horns, death touch and claws, lifelink and fangs, and haste and footwear. Um, so my guess is that when you see this guy being cast, the token is going to be like an anthropomorphized shield with Sonic the Hedgehog shoes. Mm-hmm. like nine times out of ten just like a shield with a face and wings and shoes um that's my guess (laughs) which is very easy and quick to draw um yeah you can get i think you can like consistently get maybe the four most important abilities onto your sketch within the time limit that shouldn't be too hard um that being said uh 
I, there are so many things I dislike about this car. <laughs> <laughs> um, the not least of which is just like introducing the sketch creature type. That's terrible. Um, <laughs> although I guess it could, Oh, well, okay. Maybe you could have fun with that. Like, uh, it, you know how like the elder creature type is more of like an adjective that you can kind of have fun with. Mm-hmm. Um, or, or like, Maybe adding more car, more creature types that are both adjectives and nouns can uh, make the game a little bit more fun. Because, like, imagine you see, you know, creature sketch rogue, just to let him let you know that it's extra hinky. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, uh, you know, it's a colorless identity, so it's really not easy to synergize with this card. Like, you want to be blinking it. Um, but you just don't have a lot of tools for that outside of like conjurer's closet, maybe, uh, maybe one or two other things, but just not a ton of ways to do it. And also just like a four, four beater is not what I really want out of my six mana commander. <laughs> like a car and come on. Yeah. <laughs> Like if I'm doing a colorless deck, you know, Karn costs one less and can help me combo off and win the game. Yeah. This makes a 4-4. Four four. <laughs> but it has, it's funny. It's funny, ha it's funny, ha It has ha funny eyes and shield. Sometimes mm-hmm. wings. Usually wings. If you don't put wings on your guy, what are you doing? Look at yeah. my scary picture. Look at my picture. <laughs> yeah. So this, it, it is very silly. Um, I also agree. I'm not sure why this is legendary. Um, but, uh, this is one of the ones, this is one of the reasons why, like whenever unsets come out, I'm like, this is, this is not going to be legal. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The format, like the card that makes a four, four and a funny token is like (laughs) over the line (laughs) for people. (laughs) Um, but yeah, I I think the concept is very good and funny. I, I don't understand why. Maybe it was just because they wanted to give it a proper name, like Doodle, but it could have been like Doodle Bot. Yeah. Like a caricaturist Doodle Bot or something like, you know, like they could have finagled it a different way and they didn't. Um, yeah. Whatever. All right. And ending on a, a little bit of a low tuba note there. Um, that is the the last Acorn Commander. Again, we're not going to be talking about any of the Acorn main deck cards. Yell at us if you disagree with that policy. Um, what do you think about the set as a whole? Now that we've we've discussed everything worth discussing. Any last thoughts on Infinity before we wrap yeah, this episode? Yes, absolutely. Yes. So I um, I love unsets. I love drafting them. They're some of the most fun drafts you can do, except for gotcha cards. Very fun to play with. Uh, really, like, uh, I've been a proponent for them in Commander, at least most of them. There's obviously some cards that I'm like, okay, yeah, totally. I understand that this is not good for most people. You know, most people don't want to deal with some of this stuff in regular Commander. But, you know, whatever. That's fine. I get it. Um, So when they were like, a lot of these cards will be eternal playable. I was like, okay, cool. I kind of knew when they were going over the stuff and they're like, yeah, sticker cards are eternal legal and all this stuff that a lot of the hype and a lot of the anger about the set was going to be misplaced. Like when they told us the rules for stickers, 
it was like, oh, th- this was engineered to be impossible to be good in construction formats. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is. And that's basically true of Commander 2. Like, you can play, like, if, if there is a place to play sticker cards, it is Commander, because you can kind of do whatever you want with your friends. And that's good. You know, we love that. But it it's kind of sucks that in order to make these cards playable in Commander, they kind of had to either streamline the jokiness and, like, the funniness of the cards, or just kind of nerf them you know or just kind of make them kind of boring and to me this doesn't feel the same as like other unsets and that's not because of like the lack of jokes or anything like that it's just like the cards aren't as self-referential um there are there are also just like a lot a lot of cards in the set uh that are Pretty much just like a creature with ETB open attraction or a creature with mm-hmm. ETB put a sticker on something. Yeah. Like, there are a lot of like very, very simple cards uh, that just kind of make the main mechanics happen. And if you aren't very interested in the main mechanics, then it they're just like not very interesting cards. They're just kind of boring. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, how do you feel about the like consistency of the infinity world like the fact that it has like a very definite location and basically every card is taking place on that location um so it does feel kind of silly like i do like space circus like the retro themes um i think that's a cool theme but the fact that they kind of had to stick to that and this was like uh, unstable kind of had that you know like there were the factions and whatnot and there's world building about the set and whatever but it's still like it was broad enough that they could do some pretty silly things and like explore various themes or jokes pretty actively without having to worry about like straying too far from the source material mm-hmm. where like i feel like every card in this set is like had to it like the they couldn't go as hard on some of the jokes because like they have, it's gotta be a carnival, you know? And some of them are like funny, you know, like there's a car like down for repairs, which is like a zombie with their head, like in their hands. And Mm -hmm. it's just, it's just a discard spell. So like the card is pretty, um, pretty lackluster. It's a target opponent reveals their hand. You choose an online card from it. That player discards that card, destroy up to one target attraction. So destroy an attraction and they discard a card for three. So like it's funny, down for repairs, haha, but it's like for some reason like this doesn't hit the same as like the jokes in past unsets, you know? Like it maybe it's too literal or something. I'm not exactly sure like why it's not hitting that spot for me. I, I, I really was expecting like, more. <laughs> <laughs> I really like the lands. Um I think that especially like because it's coinciding with the release of Warhammer 40k, like the fact that you can buy a Warhammer 40k deck and then you have an option for full art lands that, you know, are science fiction-y and like really feel appropriate to Warhammer 40k in the way, in a way that like most other full art lands do not. Like you don't want your Amonkhet, uh, 
swamps with like big bolus horns in the background and your 40k deck you, you know what i'm saying um but yeah the the I, the, the sci-fi lands are a nice touch um maybe it's like unfair to criticize infinity for this but you know in previous unsets um uh, it just felt like there were a lot I, the lack of cohesiveness was almost an upside for me the fact that like every single card could lean into its concept without having to reference you know a consistent uh, world guide or like you know visual themes or like has to have to take place in a certain location um it, but maybe they're just like running out of like easy con like standalone concepts and it does help them to have a world to build off of and you know they have this is like the fourth unset at this the fourth like complete unset at this point so maybe Maybe I'm being too mean. Maybe I'm I'm Maybe. putting too high expectations on them. I don't know because I am too. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I just want, I just want some jokes, man. Like Octo Opus is like great, you know. Like that's I think that's joke. really funny. That's a good yeah. joke. Um, there's a few other ones that are silly. I do like like dice rolling and stuff. And this isn't to say that I don't think attractions are fun or that like stickers didn't like couldn't be cool or whatever. But like I think if they just really kept it all silver bordered not done any of this because i don't care about the acorn stamp some people were like it's really hard to tell and like you know that that's probably going to be true there's probably going to be some people that don't catch it or like don't notice or like don't understand what they're looking at and you know that kind of sucks but um if everything was just like silver bordered i feel like we would have gotten some actually cool sticker cards some funnier sticker cards some more like interesting sticker cards or sticker commanders so just yeah just kind of sucks you know it's kind of like oh i was really excited for this and it didn't but i also do want to say that like i'm wondering how much of this like feeling towards this set is also because of like complete and utter burnout (laughs) from (laughs) spoilers like this set wasn't even done being spoiled all the way when they gave us some like brothers war. Yeah. Like cards. And it's like, Oh, like I, I do like magic and I love like new cards and sets and seeing what we can do and what the future is going to be like. But like, this has been basically two months of like nonstop spoils, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which is like, Oh wow. This is a, you and me a lot of work (laughs) wizards. This is a lot of work. It's uh, a lot of time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we've been like, you know, working like dogs and, and relying heavily on uh, our good friend, Alex White Clay, uh, to get through all this. Spoiler I season. Know, yeah. Um, but yeah, even like some of the big content creators are just like, you know, fallen. It seems like they're falling behind under the weight of all the, the releases. Like, I, I think one one of the bigger content creators, like, just released their last dominaria episode and uh and you know we're already on brothers war spoilers <laughs> yeah <laughs> whoa yeah no yeah, yeah. It's, it's just why is it gotta why are they doing that you know like it's, it's crazy it's and to be fair like this got pushed back because they needed the glue for the stickers mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's still just a lot you know it's just a lot to deal with but i do like the art like 
style change is kind of fun. That's something I have enjoyed about like um some of these universes beyond things is seeing like how they adapt the styles to magic. Um it's cool to see some like new names on some of the cards and some of the arts. It's cool to see like some of the retro sci-fi art and stuff like that. Um but overall I'm just kind of like I'm pretty meh on it. Like I might draft it one time if people want to draft it in our friend group and then, you know, that's kind of it for me. Yeah. If I'm spending money on like one of the many magic project products being released right around now, it's probably going to be the Warhammer 40 K decks. Yeah, absolutely. It's like not, uh, not very hard decision for me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, I think that's really all I wanted to say on the subject of infinity. Um, are are you ready to wrap up this episode? Yes, let's do it. Okay. All right. Uh, before we go, I want to give a thank you to our Patreon patrons. They are Gustav, Addison, Rick, Raphael, Kyle, Laser, Charlotte, the White Clays, Hannah, James, Logan, Roger, Bryce, Dylan, Benjamin, Jamie, Matthew, Kyle, Brandon, Kevin, Jeremy, Russell, Dylan, Micah, Troy, Roxanne, Charles, Daniel, Andrew, Jason, Paul, Johan, Jonathan, Christian, Jim, Andrew, Vasilios, Logan, Frugal, Brutal, Carl, Oscar, Danny B. Mifflin, Jean-Francois, Drew, Recta, Nick, BJ, Cameron, Valerio, Zach, Quincy, Carrie, and Steven. Thank you all for supporting the show. And if you're not currently a Patreon patron, but would like to become one, please check us out at patreon.com slash commandertheory. Thanks for listening. You can reach out to me on Twitter. I'm at commandertheory. And on Twitter, I am at fatbartleby. You can also email us at commandertheory at gmail.com. Our theme song is Lincoln Continental by Nick Cage. You can check him out on SoundCloud. And if you're interested in some other creative products I'm working on, I have a band you can check out. We are a pink punk, pop punk band called The Have Nots. All one word like Cosmonauts. Uh, you can listen to all of our music for free right now. You can just head over to thehavenots.bandcamp.com. That is T-H-E-H-A-V-N-A-U-T-S.bandcamp.com. And check us out. Let me know what you think. <laughs>